What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 96. I'm Anthony, your host. Uh, with me, as always, my resident homies and co-host, Joel and Casey, are with me tonight. The professor, unfortunately, won't be here, but we'll have him back soon. And uh, tonight, we're uh, joined with an old friend of ours, a guy we've worked, all three of us have worked in multiple... Uh, various projects and albums, <laughs> and our fifth uh, guest also. Which what's yeah. what's your our fifth? Oh yeah, knives, knives right, as this well. Is knives the cat. We would what's like to welcome on? knives to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this knives. An eighteen and a half pound cat is what this is. Eighteen year old. I'm sorry, cat eighteen too, and a half year old cat. He's yeah, not yeah. eighteen and a half pounds. It's about twelve. <laughs> I'm like, damn, it's a heavy is that cat. heavy for a cat? Eighteen and a half. He's pounds? been eighteen. He was that like ten years ago. He's lost some of that girth. <laughs> okay. You know how Ooh. old cats be. What up, yeah, Knives? Yeah. And uh, what up to y'all? Like I said, we've worked with this guy many, many times, and uh, very ha- we've had him on the list for a long time. Glad it's finally happening. What's going on, Zach? We got Zach Overin tonight. Well, I think we all apparently just watched football. I actually I did. didn't catch I mean, any, but <laughs> I did. That's what yeah, you yeah. guys are doing. You guys were talking near fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it just kicked off on. today. Like my, it's like my Christmas today a little bit, but. <laughs> why is like that because it started oh it just it's started yes yeah, so it's just like the it's like an initial kickoff like there's a thursday game every week so they decide to like make this big huge matchup for the first game you know it's like the two best teams or whatever this is definitely so. joel's happiest time of the year for sure yeah yeah it's finally it's like 200 days without it so finally got back on it hell yeah yeah well before we get into anything else dude let's do some plugs real quick uh battleforgecoffee.com the homies and deeds of flesh Casey's repping them tonight on his uh, beautiful new Deeds of Flesh shirt. What up? But yeah, support Those the homies. Uh, also, uh, go buy that album if you haven't yet. I'm on it. Zach was involved in it. Boom. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Zach, yeah, like, well, did, you, did you do the whole thing? Yeah, well, no, I didn't record it. I uh, mixed. Mixed it. And Got mastered, it. I guess. Yes, mixed and nice. mastered that record. Awesome. Uh, that was, uh, you know, I mean, that whole record was like three four years in the making mm-hmm. i mean we were going a lot back and forth i mean eric signed off on what was a final mix of the instrumentals while he was diving into doing vocal stuff so wow you know, it, it, i certainly didn't expect it could have come out as amazing as it did in the end that was a really great way to finish that project hell yeah we did totally dude and uh <laughs> Another thing that I'm proud of. <laughs> How audible is that? I love you. it. That's good. It's great. I love we it. We like okay. it. We like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want more. Knives had something to say about it too, dude. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> He's like, I remember yeah, when Zach like... was working on this too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude, go support them with their uh, coffee company. It's good coffee, and they got merch and and shirts and all that kind of shit, mugs, boom. And then uh, <laughs> do two fish. Still don't have any Cali Death Pod <laughs> merch for you guys yet. Eventually, we'll get something going, but uh, it'll be there at cattle, uh, cattle, <laughs> caldecaptation.org. <We'll>, uh... <laughs> cattle decap podcast at bigcartel.com. Yeah. Oh, man. I fucked it up, but you guys know Cali Death Podcast at bigcartel.com. And uh, with Zach, you, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, up top? I'm playing the Elbow Room in Oakland next week with my band Darkness Everywhere on Friday. Uh, so what date would that I don't be? Know. 
No. <laughs> uh, what day would oh, that be? Date. Is it the 16th? 16th? Yeah, it's the 16th. Thank okay. You. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't know. I've got like 18 different albums out right now, so I don't, don't want to <laughs> play favorites. The new machine is there a central out, website? This is out. Not really. No. <laughs> how do people? How do people get a hold of you? To if they're like you know want to get they like your recordings and stuff and how do they how do they get a hold of you to like set that up? They literally just usually I'd say just Google me. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go to castleultimate.com, it just takes you to my Facebook. So I get a lot through Facebook. Mm-hmm. A lot occasionally through Instagram. Mostly just people have my phone number. It's really easy to find. I'll, yeah, I'd say it out uh-huh. loud right now. And what's it, your phone number? Oh, it's five one zero six seven six one one nine zero. That's a plug right there. Oh, oh my the phone number. <laughs> Direct <laughs> connect right there. Anybody who watches yeah. this, you got connect. Or Zach at castleultimate.com is still my email. Has been for like twenty plus years now. Nice. Is Castle Ultimate still is it's still like what a par- is it like a parent company for what you do now? No, I don't have a parent company. I'm a freelance engineer. Essentially, so it's but... still it's still when you record at Sharkbite, it's still Castle. You what you put Castle Ultimate Studios? As I don't put that. No, I haven't okay. done that since 2013 because I the place down the hall. Casey and Joel know what I'm talking about, but Castle mm. Ultimate Studios, the which was really Castle Ultimate Studios five because it was our fifth location, mm-hmm. became yeah. Machine Head's headquarters, which is literally, you know, like a hall down for where I usually do my tracking type work at Sharkbite, and I do a lot of my work nice. here at home. That's or crazy. Wherever, but is mostly that they, those two places. They they rehearse there, right? That's like where they're rehearsing, right? They rehearse, they do their streaming. I mean, that was unforeseen. That was a very unforeseen benefit. It was a very last minute thing, because I think, when my old studio partner Aaron was gonna leave the studio in 2019, I think it was. I guess, yeah, it was 2019. He had told me I and I had found out that it was probably gonna just get torn down and turned into something else. And when that was about to happen, I had to do a session down the hall with Rob from Machine Head that day, and I said off the cuff, if be funny if you just took the studio do you want a studio for any reason man and he we both laughed and then two weeks later after he went camping he comes back he's like i've been thinking about it. i think i want the studio <laughs> oh nice <laughs> and i was like oh i mean i don't even know if that's a possibility but talk to the owner ryan about it and he did and they worked it all out and they even like left the desk that was in there because moving it is one of the silliest things you can ever do is move one of those recording desk with like perfectly positioned and EQ'd speakers and Aaron took most of his gear but left some of that but that became immediately a huge asset because first Rob starts his podcast which he was having guests in person in that room and then a pandemic you know a global pandemic that has lasted through today is Mm -hmm. uh, ongoing and kept machine head grounded from touring and instead they started doing more and more elaborate weekly live streams till we spent the last year of it just doing full-blown once a week shows that were you know broadcast on youtube twitch and facebook simultaneously mm-hmm. that were getting you know we're keeping them afloat too during the pandemic and now they're finally back out on tour with them on a but you know they spent a long time 
just going there five days yeah. a week, either working on the new album or working on performing. And it's just funny because they wouldn't have been able to do that from their old practice studio. I can't see it working very well. Right. So do they, they got in like, at the nick of time. Do they have like old or do they have old Jesus? That's a, that's an old machine head song is old on the first album. But uh, do they have like jobs? Like, are they just fully committed to music? No, they're definitely fully committed to being in a band. They're okay. I mean, I'm pretty certain that the members all get salaried through their company and such. Yep, definitely. It's not like they're employed by Nuclear Blast. They're employed by Machine Head. Machine Head Inc. You know, they're managed by Joey Houston. He does a good job with everything. Yeah, just just a rewind real quick when i said parent company that was a dumb fucking thing to say i meant well no not really. i knew it was your company i knew it was your company but i was saying like because you know how people could uh oh, yeah, Joel yeah. just hit it with the incorporated so i'm like is castle ultimate incorporated and then nope. you work under shark no it's not no no we never we originally were going to be a partnership then looked into that didn't seem to make sense we i mean we abandoned anything to do with uh really starting a business as opposed to just freelancing the way we do a long time ago yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's you know especially now i don't own a studio i work out of somebody else's studio constantly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's been a really good arrangement honestly i thought totally. i might i was very scared to go into doing things that way and it i mean things have gone spectacularly well frankly for the most part it does feel yeah. weird that i don't have a studio like, I don't have a tracking studio of my own that I bring bands into, but I'm almost a decade into not having a studio, and I don't miss it. I do yeah, not yeah. miss it. It started letting me focus on being a better producer, frankly. One question I actually wanted to elaborate on, because I definitely told my dad this when you told me this, but um, you know how they ripped the board They ripped the board out of the studio? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was like, like the project that Casey and stuff and I were doing were like, that was the last thing that was done on that board. So you said something about possibly... Yeah, by you. Uh, <laughs> I think damn it. Something else might have happened. Um, but the one thing well, it was I want to know—it might have been. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it was right at the war. I remember like you were showing pictures of it getting ripped out or something. You like posted something about that. But mm-hmm. I wanted to know, like, did you get any more um, confirmation about the Pink Floyd thing you were saying? As far as like, it was the wall no. was done on it. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure the wall was mixed on that board. That was <laughs> the rumor. I've been told a million times, so I'm pretty sure that's correct. I thought it was yeah. Dark Side of the Moon, and then I was corrected and told it was The Wall. What's that? <laughs> Some sort of a rock that's album. crazy, though, dude. I know so they what, had, it's just this it traveling one hit wonder. It's a one-hit wonder, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, what's it called? Another Brick in the Wall? Yeah, yeah. I remember no, you guys like said that in the studio, and I just like, I was like, whoa, and I like looked at the board, and I was like, whoa. I like tripped it out on the board. Started like, to glow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I got It's like an important it's scrap board. metal now. Literally, <laughs> he sold it for. I mean, Scra- the thing, yeah. well, the know. board. I think he kept the channels intact somewhere. I don't know. I, I haven't been in a lot of communication. He's been doing a lot because it's not just the board he's replacing. He's you know, swapping out the floor. That's is, crazy. I mean, everything think. that's been there has been there since '98. And I think if wall like, okay, the wall was time. done on it, you know, other albums were done on that too that you don't know. Hear the rumors about, you know, that's I can name a few more. I mean, like that'd be cool. The I guess that I'm sure of. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Now I've got to actually do it. Here, <laughs> let me look it up. Let me look up some good answers to that. But you know, so what's the, sto- uh, what's the story of this board? Like, yeah, how did he acquire that? 
I don't even know that he did. He that he bought the studio, so it's hard for me to say that. Anthony I know about was already that. in there. Yeah, I mean the place was built in '98 by two guys that I've never met. Okay. I, I believe that's the story behind it. I'm trying to see looking if they up... happen to have. I will, I'm looking up. They like albums done here, but I guess that's not something they keep on their. Uh... Oh, here we go. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so I know High on Fire recorded some albums there. Uh, the Blackening by Machine Head's a pretty good, well-known record. Exodus recorded there. Ghost in the City. I, I, all the American Steel stuff's been recorded there. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think of stuff. I want to say there's been a lot more that I will regret saying if I'm like a little bit wrong and I'm, you know. No, that's all good, dude. I mean, that, as far as like cool, classic dude. shits, like after the wall, like like you know, was like never mind recorded there. Or something. Okay, <laughs> I didn't say the wall was recorded there though. That's definitely not the. Oh, record? No, no, the, recorded there. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, that that board is from '78, but the studio is from '98. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As, as far as acquired somehow. Yeah, yeah. I know that. Uh, I've, I'm terrible with the history stuff here. No, I was watching like a, a long time ago on HBO. Like Dave Grohl had like some sort of special on there, and he was talking about the board that he had, and I think it was something. I think a Pink Floyd album was on that as well, and a couple other ones. But he was, he bought it for like four hundred grand. Like that was like, like it was so like historic and mm -hmm. the albums that it recorded that it was like for sale for yeah over like a half million, you know. So that's where I was like, he's scrap metal now. That's like a if it was actually the wall on that, not to discredit it, but if it was actually the wall. I don't on know. It, I would think that'd be like a half million dollars. Well, you know? trip. It's like. I don't think it works that way though. Like it's just like some one piece that was used on. Yeah. Not like that's crazy. I actually your story makes so much less sense because it's one of those <laughs> things that nobody actually people think they care, but then they don't. Yeah. I, know, I was gonna go off on the whole like energy and buildings thing that you, you could maybe get hippy dippy and say the energy of some of those records <laughs> stayed in there. You know. Yeah. I can, yeah. And will. Yeah. I will yeah. say every it got so I mean the board is so weathered and had so much done on it that I started to know different channels of it sounded different and it wasn't like you know most stuff you use these days if you think like oh my purple audio tracks sound different than my blue audio tracks you're just a <laughs> psycho but this is the sort of thing where it's old it's not even a discrete board and it has like some of the EQs make totally different sounds they were all very unique by the time it was retired hmm so you know so now that it's gone what are you working on oh I, it's not they haven't even installed the new one yet or oh so you'll be, have, you just be you, so that's being replaced with a new board when you that's right yeah okay it may have already could, been replaced i forgot the could, schedule but that's coming along i know can we get nerdy another thing that you told me too is those monitors that you have in there that were like they're like 15 grand monitor because people like have monitors oh, in yeah. home studios and stuff like what? What? What brand was that? And those what are makes barefoot so Microman twos, I think. Two okay. meaning like series two. I think they're okay. on like series four now. I don't know. I haven't been following, but that's what they had there. That's also what we had down the hall. We used those speakers were originally in a mastering studio across the hall because you guys have been there. There's like actually five recording studios in that hallway. All of mm -hmm. them much smaller than Shark Bite, but there, there was there used to be a mastering suite. And they had those, the exact barefoots that are now in there. We used to have Genelex, and they at some, 
at some point, I don't know, I want to say, feels like almost 10 years ago, replaced them with the Barefoots, and then, no, it was longer than that. It was probably like 2012, because then Aaron and I went and got our own set of Barefoots down in LA used from some weird guy. But they is that were... basically the top of the line? That's the top of the line for monitors. Is that like what you would say would be number one? I, I don't know. I mean, ten, twelve years ago, they're very nice. I mean, there's so many lines of monitors. People get custom made ones that are totally unlabeled, just made by you know some speaker designer. So I'm saying there could be a higher line. There's always something more boutique. But yeah, they're pretty high, pretty high end speakers. Definitely sure. Definitely. So I'm should we start the? Should we start the? I was just about old... to say so we we can gear nerd again later, but yeah, yeah. You just do the episode getting... backwards. So <laughs> at the very end, he goes into his childhood. Like no, yeah. it's all good. I mean, it doesn't really need to always be <laughs> right to it, but yeah, dude. Oh, so no, what we, we want to learn about childhood. On the show, the first yeah. question I usually ask is, uh, "Think of back to a time when you were a kid, and you were." your attention was grabbed by hearing a song or a melody or something like that. Like one of the earliest memories you could think where music like became something more than just, you know, okay. Background music. I think it was never background music in my case. I mean, I had right. a piano in the house. I want to say like, I'm trying to think how early to think this question, but I'd say the first thing that comes to mind in a weird way would be moon moonlight sonata i guess okay and, like try to learn to play that on a piano when i was like four or five years old mm -hmm. and I, mean, I never really learned to play piano well but that was the first instrument that was in my house and i was constantly as a little kid just had these big ear these giant earphones on like playing records oh i remember i liked the uh star wars disco album if you guys know what i'm talking about <laughs> i don't but that sounds awesome <laughs> well, it's like all the yeah. it's like the Star Wars like played like funk galactic funk or something. Oh yeah, dude. I wanna check this out, dude. Oh it I mean it's like Cantina song and all that. You've heard it, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It's it's just that stuff, but it's like a full length like soundtrack record. I remember that was probably the first music I was really listening to as a small child. Were your I mean, parents small well, child. Obviously you had a piano in the house. Who was playing? Was it both your parents, your mom, your dad? Who? You know, neither of them really played piano. My mom sings, my dad played. I mean, they all, they knew how, but it was there. I don't know why we had a piano in retrospect, I guess, because it's like the instrument people who are musicians always, you know, use as Gravitate a baseline. To, yeah. But like, my brother's a professional classical guitarist, and huh. I never really liked playing piano. Piano bothered me from day one. It's not something, it never felt right to me. So, your brother, how many siblings did you have? Just him. Just Andrew. Are you the younger or older? Younger. So, he's okay. like four years older than me. So, he's already playing music around the house, too, at that time? Oh, yeah. Or? I mean, by the time I was 11, my brother was this guitar prodigy that was, you know, taking lessons from some hotshot guy and impressing everybody. He'd always have the guitar out and just, you know... Yeah, to this day. I mean, <laughs> anywhere he goes, he has a classical guitar with him and is ready to play. 
So was that kind of like looking up to Big Brother you wanted to get to? Because did you start? Did Maybe you more musical guitar? taste. Because I was listening at that point when I was a little kid, I was listening to just like MC Hammer rap stuff, you know, mm -hmm, pop mm -hmm. music, Michael Jackson or something. Chris and my Cross. brother Hell yeah. was into like, you know, he had Led Zeppelin albums and he had just gotten into Master of Puppets and all that stuff and introduced me to like Primus and... You know all the stuff i suddenly started hearing in like 1991 or so and so that's probably when i got into more the rock side of things mm -hmm. immediately grabbed on and then wanted you know just wanted to know more and more and more and by the time i'm 12 i finally started playing guitar that was the next okay. instrument okay well no i played like you know like every little kid that gets forced into a band class i like picked flute and played flute for years mm -hmm. before I ever got into guitar. But the second I was into guitar, it became my primary focus in life. I would tell you. Yeah. Almost it's, immediately. So what was uh, like the first song you tried to learn on guitar? Can you remember? I can't say like the first song, but it was probably Metallica stuff. I got really into Metallica really quickly. So he showed you Master of Puppets, and then it was just off to the races from there? Yeah, it was more like I just, like, took, borrowed his CDs and his tapes, I should say. I'm sure it was tapes, and then eventually started copying my own. And I was into, I had already been into, like, walking around recording things. And, like, he got a four-track, and I started messing with that, you know. I was more into the recording than the music already. <laughs> back yeah. Then. But, so you say walking around like what? Just recording weird shit, weird noises? Actually, I mean, apparently a lot of little kids do this, but I had like a, you know, a Fisher-Price tape recorder. And like, I would spend hours in my backyard as a small child, like three to five-year-old child, just recording endless hours of taped footage of myself. Like, oh, dude. Narrating episodes boy. of television. I had a talk boy, the, the uh, contraption that... Uh, Radio Flyer? No, it was uh, Home Alone 2. Home Alone. Oh, yeah, the little gray thing, the dude. I, I, They're like I this? Literally, yep. You just hold it. The little, like, little, little like, thing sticking out, little mic sticking out. You, yeah, yeah. It would just, you would yeah, just yeah. talk right into the mic and it would roll, record onto a regular cassette versus like the small micro cassette or whatever it's called. One yeah, thing you dude. said, yeah. One thing you said that actually, there was a video I saw recently, Zach, and it was of a, like a toddler or like a really young kid hearing Moonlight Sonata. And oh, really? Interesting. And, and starting to cry. Like, like looking, like listen, listening to the music and just watching it and being all into it, and just tears started coming. As a as a baby, you know, not even understanding music or anything, it was just like hitting this person because probably genetically we're, you know, we've kind of like gotten into the whole. There's something that clicks with us with music that we don't can't really ex explain yet, but there's a video that's like super viral of this kid watching it and he's just sitting there like it's like watching his first live show concert. And they're playing Moonlight Sonata, and he just starts fucking crying, all, like, but not like crying, like get me out of here, like crying at the music, you know, like whoa, mm -hmm. you know, just yeah. understanding as a child this is a huge deal, you know. I think it set me up for a lot of weird things hmm. because I was so musically adept at this really young age that I think that also taught my brain math really early like not good math just basic arithmetic and such mm -hmm. i took to 
so well that they thought I was some kind of like math savant, but I wasn't. I just learned way earlier than other kids. So mm -hmm. I was way ahead of my grade level in like arithmetic immediately because it was music. I'm telling you, it was because, yeah. you know, you look at keys and you're counting in your head without even thinking about it constantly. Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize that till I was older, but like it was pretty obvious in retrospect. Totally, dude. Definitely. It unlocks some shit early. And that's fucking rad. And that's probably a lot of the reasons why people say get your kid into playing an instrument at the earliest age you possibly can, dude. Yeah. I, I tried, but, you know, piano is just like how everybody else reacts to piano. Most people are just like, fuck, man, <laughs> I don't connect with this shit. Even though I'm learning all this stuff, it's like, I just want to wail, but I can't wail because it's, yeah. eight, what, 88 keys? Is that what it is? a grand piano or standard piano well, full-size piano 88. 88 keys yeah. yeah so you got all 88 keys in front of you and just like i want to ha be a master at this but no kid wants to do the ten thousand. well i shouldn't say no kid because there's obviously people that shred the piano because oh, yeah. they've been playing their whole life but you know the ten thousand hours that everybody talks about being good at something it, it's a long yeah. haul for most kids and i yeah well, i unfortunately exactly. out out at nine Zach, I don't know if you know this though, but Anthony actually is a drummer and a guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> we found this out like like a couple months ago. I did drum in a band, but we never did any shows, and it was shitty grindcore. But and he could play "Wish You Were Here" on uh, guitar. Yeah, yeah, I can do that, dude. <laughs> band, for sure. Totally I can't get it. over the, my band that I'm in right now. All four of us have sang, played guitar, played bass, and played drums in bands. Like, yeah. damn every all of us i was like we have yeah. to take advantage and do like you know so funny switcheroo at least once someday because so that the, the band that was playing the 16th or the on friday what what style of music is that you're at the elbow that's like swedish melodic death metal straight up i mean oh fuck yeah it is what awesome. it's it's basically you know it's a new incarnation of what was like this city but ben's now mm -hmm. singing and playing guitar oh ben's in it nice Awesome. It's been yeah, yeah. Ben started this band. It's it's more that's what it is. Shut it's up, Ben. It's a lot like like the city. Even more traditionally, you know, European melodic yeah. death stuff. So we, he's still running we, Creator Destructor, right? Is he still? Yeah, I mean this. I mean it's on Creator Destructor. It's okay. That Sick. and I. He asked me to play bass in it before we ever like released the record, and the release of the record couldn't have gone too much better it's been really good reception we've played two shows they both went great our last show was with darkest hour and that was just like such a fun oh, show to shit. play and i'm yeah, hoping yeah. we continue this run of only great shows yeah because i spent kind of so dream. many years playing in a metal band that like, yeah my old band that i played the tech metal band i played in my Antonia. yeah that, that I like i mean we one. played so many room like 300 cap rooms to five people you know yeah yeah I got just pretty used to that. And then, you know, being in the last band I was in, Midnight Chaser, that was a party. Yeah. That was fun. And we'd play some great shows and some, you know. You play drums in Myotonia. Do you play, what do you play in this band that you're talking bass. about? I play bass Wait. in this band. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And see, I, think... I, you, I always remember you just being like versatile, just like sit down or with whatever instrument and just fucking shred it. I'm sure I could still play guitar in a band. It would be a struggle. I literally our last show, which was like August two thousand eight, I feel it was the last I really played drums. I stopped playing for y years. 
And, like, I've picked it up a couple times after that to, like, play a few shows or, like, fill in in a band. But I've never... I don't have... I don't know how long it would take to, like, get my actual chops back up on drums. Well, my Atonia was the first uh, uh, project that I heard you involved in. And that oh, album really? rips, dude. Well, yeah. Cause I love you, it still. You had uh, um, handed me a burned copy of it during the cryptic recordings at one oh, point interesting. You, you might not I, have a final then yeah i yeah and uh i uh i I don't, I don't know why i was there late with you i don't know if it was just a day that i was doing vocals and nobody you else came was there a couple times mm-hmm. yeah and vocals, um yeah. yeah when we were wrapping things up we were just in conversation and you were telling me about my tony and i was like dude yeah burn me a cd and driving home from berkeley that night i was like holy shit dude zach fucking rips on drums dude it's it's tech metal if you guys want to check it out myatonia m-y-a-t-o-n-i-a no. oh shit uh, m-y-o-t-o-n-i-a <laughs> there we go I almost <laughs> it's a word it's it's like it's a word dude <laughs> it's like and a it's metal. a self-titled or album or whatever right yeah i mean the self tell there was a demo we put out but that wasn't really the same band that we ended up being. What's amazing is the singer from that band ended up trying out to be the replacement singer-singer in the band I was in after on guitar, the Midnight Chaser band, which is totally different genre of music. It's like, yeah. you know, pop party, hardcore metal, so it needs vocals, like singing. And I thought he was messing with me when he said he would try out to do it. I was like, sure, come try it. I didn't know you ever sang in your life. And then he ended up singing for us, for, you know, years sweet awesome i mean That's i grand. guess to this day they still are playing around uh so back to your timeline though dude so yeah. um guitar you you're just Man. engulfed in guitar after that and what was no happening? i'd say i was engulfed in guitar for like a couple of years and then i was simultaneously getting engulfed in bass and programming music mm-hmm. like when i was 12 or 13 is when i started just diving into the tracking stuff I did, which, you know, that's, it's, how much do you want me to dive into that? Because it's... That's fine, quite, dude. As deep as you want to go. Well, so, you know, I got into a scene of literally, like, early America Online slash bulletin board call-up services of these things called mods, which are an old Amiga format of... uh you know, it's really hard to explain in modern terms, but like sequencing, like it's not MIDI, it's like sample based DOS programs that you sequence audio in. Like a, like a start... Genesis game, like a Genesis or something like that. I mean, no, no. Uh, <laughs> it's it like more, more like a PC computer. Amigas were just a brand of commu- computers back then, but so that stuff, you can see it's still all over the internet. It's still a scene. It's like a retro scene. And, you know, I'm not just talking like weird chiptune style sounding stuff. It was a whole way of creating music in the late 80s through the 90s. And, you know, that developed into quite a bit. That's a lot of why I was learning to play stuff. I learned to play drums way before I picked up drums. I was programming drums for years, you know, and I started, you know, really picking apart how drum beats worked and such but i didn't play a bit but i was playing bass and guitar and i was making my own sample sets of 
guitar sounds and make it, which is, you know, literally it's like you will make a palm mute and you'll decide how far you can pitch stretch that note. And then it, you had very limited memory mm-hmm. for like talking, like you had to keep your file sizes to about 256 kilobytes, but this oh, is all wow. real audio. So it's pretty adventurous. And I was way more interested in the technical aspect, just being honest, like I was into figuring out how to cheat this system, which is, you know, plays into, <laughs> probably plays into my interest in fantasy sports, but I was trying to figure out, like, how can I make a guitar sound real, especially like a heavy metal guitar or like bass or slap bass or something like that. And I started making all sorts of covers and I started just writing original songs and you just post them, you know. And there was a whole scene of people that would listen to everything, and I found the other prominent metal and hard rock trackers from around the world. There's one I just talked to the other day who was a guy I knew, you know, back 25 years ago from Sweden who went by the name of Betrayer. And, like, he, he was doing stuff that I was like, whoa, how is he doing that? How did he make this sound real, you know? And... I was like digging deep and trying to reverse engineer some of that stuff and then improve on it if I could. And eventually, you know, making my entire own sample sets using all sorts of weird ways to cheat the system to like use strange. Uh, I'm seeing there's a question here in chat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just throwing out there. Like, wait for you to catch no, it. I didn't wait. use an Amiga. I, I'm just saying the format originated on Amiga. I used, uh, I started using just Mod Tracker, was the original, and then got into fast tracker cubic tracker then did my last work on impulse tracker the most important stuff i did was on something called fast tracker but they're all the same thing more or less they just had different limitations the original file format was only four channels and you know when fast tracker came out i think it was six and then the latest ones were like eight but do you still have all that stuff archived on your computer or absolutely not but they're (laughs) No, I was about to say, it's all on the internet. And I hate that it is. I hate that there's, like, (laughs) garbage songs I wrote as, like, an 11-year-old that are still absolutely accessible if you just look them up. Could you give, like, an example, like, if someone, like, wants to understand what you're talking about? Yeah, no, I posted a video, actually, about three months ago, I want to say, maybe Mm -hmm. sooner, of just, like, one of the songs I did right after the first Nintendo 64 game that was... uh, you know, I, I found someone on YouTube had taken a video of it actually just playing back in the original DOS program with good audio quality. So I, I would link them to that, probably. That's a really good link. Is there like a is there a well-known artist or something that someone can look up like easily like to understand what <laughs> something that... Because, I mean, even for me, like I don't even understand... It's all sampled sounds, sounds like. right? You, but you're yeah, trying to mimic... Yeah, sampled sounds. So like he's sampling each but note on a guitar, but trying to make it natural sounding. So but the low, play... just the low. So you asked like, me how I did it. How you did it, or like there's an idea. There's a few. There's a few crazy that... ideas. So you can't compress the audio, but what you can do is you can. Uh, the manipulations I was doing was literally using absurd sample rates and bit rates. Like I would have like a snare drum that would be like, it, you know, most audio these days is either twenty you know 16 or 24 bit 44 or 48 kilohertz uh, uh-huh. maybe 96 i was doing weird things where i was using like snare drums that were like 7 kilohertz and 4 bit jesus and i would comp i was eqing them in a way 
to make sure that it would sound right. And I was just working at it. So I guess that leads to the next part of this whole tr progression, which is when I was 15, I get discovered because I started doing a series of like Primus covers. Okay. And uh, Midway, the video game company, was looking for someone who would put together music in this exact format. This is what they were using for Nintendo 64. Like Mortal Kombat and shit. Yeah. yeah Midway. Yeah. The same, same exact. Yeah. Mortal Kombat's a great example because I'm sure all the music was done in the same trackers I used. I'm mm -hmm. positive, okay. in fact, because it's, that's oh, wow. what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, if you heard about Nintendo 64 level music, like uh -huh. the style they were doing in that, that was this kind of tracking. Yeah, yeah. this kind of sequencing you know it's real sounds but it's pretty limited memory and you know it's dos based more importantly so like if you see this it's just a bunch of numbers and letters on a graphical but not yeah. graphical the way you're thinking of interface i still find it very comforting when i when i saw this video from you know a little while back i was like wow yeah there's still really familiar and easy to follow and i'm sure people would look at it and think it looks like the matrix because it literally like scrolls down while it's playing back and you're mm. like what the fuck is going on especially with the way i was doing things it's like you would see notes like it'd be like c sharp but you know i was just using my own crazy twin language stuff to you know just put in things however i wanted so it wasn't that's just crazy with simplistic. like so, like such a limited kind of um computer power like you could still right like do that kind of stuff because i mean nowadays if you're probably doing those same kind of sounds or whatever like one second of it is 256k you know what i mean like oh not even the, yeah, yeah, not, exactly. yeah i know right yeah it's like the fact that you're making music with those samples at that such a you know low um that's not memory, but just you're you're not taking no, memory space. Memory is the term. Okay. It's memory. They call it okay, memory because okay. I mean, in the case of an N64 game, we, I mean, once it came to Fast Tracker, the size was theoretically unlimited. Not everybody's computer can handle like a one megabyte SOG at the time because it would maybe be an overload of memory. Because I don't know if mm. you remember how little memory, like oh, yeah. RAM, computers used to have, like in no, definitely the early 90s or late yep. 80s. But like, I need. It wasn't a lot, and there was also DOS had this thing where it had basic memory and extended RAM. And yeah, you can't always access the extended RAM. But get, getting off topic here, I'm saying so that guy sought me out. Has no idea how old I am, anything I'm doing, but he saw that I had a cover of a Primus song and pitted me against ten other, you know, pretty well accomplished sequencers. But n I assure you that what we were assigned was make songs that sound like Primus. They everybody was fucked from the get go because what they you know I'm a kid that's been obsessed with learning every Primus song on guitar and bass for a long time. Everything I'm writing sounds like Primus anyway at this point, right at this exact point. And more importantly, they were all trying to use basic like you know bass libraries and you know weird canned guitar sounds that sound like you know a Yamaha keyboard from the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there like making a song by minimizing how many samples I could make and manipulate, put my own drum kit together from scratch, you know, just literally take a kick drum, miking it with a program called Gold Wave for, you know, Windows 3.1, just to date this even more, and then <laughs> run some EQ, start doing those, like, start saving things in weird formats, just PCM audio, sorry, I guess, yeah, PCM audio, like, I guess like Wave or AIF, 
is similar, but this is, doesn't even have like a file header or anything. And then, which is what I, the only reason you have to do that is because you're making it weird, weird formats and then load those all in, make your instruments and make songs out of it. And I remember put the first song together and they, you know, they gave me the job pretty much instantly and then got me working on the like, okay, it's a snowboarding game. We want everything to sound as similar to the band Primus as we can find because Tony you know, Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, basically we did a study <laughs> and we found out people that like snowboarding games like Primus, which is a little <laughs> weird, but it was definitely yeah, yeah. what they had decided. And, you know, I'm still super happy with how that all went. They never went, you know, I signed a contract, which is absolutely illegal. And with Midway, you know, yeah. Well, with Boss Games, the studio that was actually doing it on you know okay. the subsidiary, and then because you were 15, you're saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was definitely oh, 15. It's definitely <laughs> not cool that you know I signed like a you know I became a member, it was a requirement I become a member of BMI for some reason, which is weird because I didn't get points on it or anything, but uh, you know, and do that. The agreement was that I would maintain the rights to the music as long as it's, you know, I wasn't supposed to distribute the, you know, internal files. But even that, then they told me it was fine to do later on. But they made you sign in crayon, so it didn't really count? I mean, nothing counted. I was a minor. The money, we, yeah. you know, they paid me real oh, they paid you? US nice. dollars. Oh, no, yeah. It was my first real job. So that got me microphones, mixer, oh, car. Okay. And awesome. like that, that really started this whole path into how sick recording. is that, dude? Most fifteen-year-olds start working in like In and Out and shit, dude. And this In and Out would be that's, that's a In and Out's a that's a that's a high job for fifteen-year-olds. Yeah, I was about to say maybe not the best fast food place you could possibly. Well, uh, all right, all right. David and I, David and I in the chat, Warbreaker in the chat, shout out. We worked at Submarina, and Ooh, yes, know, that sounds more realistic. Was, uh, <laughs> we had some sweaty hot summers dude well, making sandwiches in and out. I, I did do stuff like that because this dried up uh, real fast we did one yeah, more yeah. game you know and at this point it's 1998 1999 and absolutely playstation and cd audio and just normal music is starting and i knew this was coming you know like this job was not gonna last or anything but i mean yeah. i did the next game which was a driving game they wanted me to make sound like zz top which didn't go as well musically i felt but they were happy and mm -hmm. then as far as i know the whole studio folded like the you know the, the developer studio midway i think may have been bought by activision at this point but okay you know, so that relationship just ended as did the entire format and i mean most people it's abandoned where it's you know it's part of the retro internet that people get really excited about sometimes chip tunes and all that but it's not that's right here that's what uh serious. what uh david was saying that people are still today there's still people using oh yeah yeah Paradox. i mean it is you I mean you're reading here in the chat like i mean people are still fascinated by it but no one's i shouldn't say that i don't know enough about it. maybe people are still producing music in it i mean i know moby did stuff in it and Trent Reznor did stuff in it. Yeah, retro is like, always a thing. Like retro, going back to something is always a thing. Like it's always right. going to come back. Yeah, there's nostal yeah. nostalgia and like the whole cassette scene coming back too. But I, I think that like um, we all also appreciate like the history and things. And so going back in time and doing it the way it used to be is kind of a, 
a cool thing for even the newer generations to try. Like it's so easy on the computer now. Why not oh, go yeah. back to how like the the seedlings of all this digital age, you know, or not digital digital music age and yeah, dude. I think it's cool because it's it, it's more of a challenge. Like you were talking about how it helped you, or actually not this, but like just the way you develop your mind while you're doing these things and like mm -hmm. making things harder for yourself makes you I've never even more... heard of this. I never heard of this before he even mentioned it. So it's like something I'm learning just off the bat. Well, you know, I mean, I it's even like before it's like that. Seen... It was like yeah. you know sampling records on on yeah the basic you know four track recorders that he was talking about and making your own beats and whatever with the samples and, and manipulate manipulating the samples too to bend things into your favor and and kind of mold something that's already there I, I totally get it it's just like the beginning of the internet and the computer age for you know everybody having a computer in their home you let your teenager on the computer god forbid they'd be looking at some other bullshit that they don't that's not going to make their brain fucking develop probably porn or something like that it helps like, there wasn't porn <laughs> <laughs> i mean there basically wasn't porn when i was a kid on the internet it's too yeah, it yeah. took too long dude yeah exactly i mean like <laughs> there was like you could maybe like search for like four hours and then download a single picture that would single take, picture like, <laughs> yeah but i'm talking like call up you look in the magazine and there's like back of magazines like there's a bunch of bulletin board services and i'm sure the only the true like actual nerds in here have any idea what i'm talking about but that's a well, real I know. thing my dad actually uh, used to be like in the 80s he's a programmer in the 80s my grandfather actually was a, a programmer on the, like the original cray computers like the ones that use punch cards and stuff but like mm -hmm. he, my dad like literally said that one there was a computer coming out that literally had not to get too nerdy on this but um that basically they were like oh they're releasing this computer it's got a 512k hard drive mm -hmm. <laughs> and my dad was like my dad at the time was like why the fuck would you need that much space that's yeah. a, by mm -hmm. the way that's a half a megabyte and my now dad was our, like that's now our computers insane. have 512 gigs oh no no I mean, yeah, our terabytes our multiple terabytes i mean our phones yeah yeah it's like literally 512k a half of a fucking megabyte where my dad's like no one's ever going to need that much space i don't know why they're doing this and like like fast forward to like yeah our phones can go like take a fucking thing to the space well the space it's it's really like the uh advancements and what we like it what zach was uh experimenting with is just us trying to like figure out an easier and easier way to do things so we, what do we do? We develop more technology and it exponentially grows, and, and, but we're still never going to be satisfied, dude. The software I'm using right now came out and was around right about this same time, too. Meaning, like, Cubase is one of the oldest programs. Cubase, Pro Tools, and Digital Performer were, like, probably the big known ones in the mid 90s that you know a fancy studio that had digital stuff would have and cubase was the leader in like midi sequencing pro tools more in the like recording albums way now everything does everything but you know it, like this was a very niche thing i didn't know it was niche it was just the only thing i could do and i'd even have the nice equipment like they <laughs> i bought like an everybody who was 
into gaming or anything had a sound blaster. Do you guys ever remember the term sound blaster? You're the right age that you would know what that is. I do remember that. It was, it was a was it a I do too. Yeah. audio card? Was it a... Yeah, the audio card sound blaster yeah, yeah. was like the good one. I couldn't afford the sound blaster. I bought the knockoff, the Pro Audio 16, I think it was called. Mm. And like suffered through using that which was incompatible with like most games and such. But luckily this stuff have worked fine with it. Mm-hmm. But no, I really, really dove down this rabbit hole. So, did you pay attention to playing um, instruments outside of that too, or did you just mainly? Oh, well, yeah, you'd have to be sampling all this stuff too. So, because you yeah, said I mean, you were making your own samples. That's right, and I mean, I started taking lessons from guitar lessons when I was just about when I right after I turned fifteen. Um, and I was taking those from Alex Skolnick, the guitarist from Testament, who is now oh, wow. back in Testament, but he was at the time out of the band and wow. otherwise I would have never had that opportunity. And I ended up taking lessons from him until he left and moved to New York when I was like 18, maybe. Yeah. I want to say I did it well past I left high school when I left high school. I that's kept awesome. doing that. And that's. That was very important because yeah. that taught me mm, I was screwing around before then. I was never serious about like learning mm-hmm. and never serious. And I was a fan of Testament when I saw, you know, he put just an ad in the paper. And I, I wanted to do it immediately. Yeah. The gallery was a guitar right? player. So oh, I said no. 98, 90. No, no, no. This is 94. Five, probably. Oh, okay. Earlier than that. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm Jeez. 41. So he's. So it was when they, is before they released the record Demonic. I know that because I brought him that CD and watched him listen to it for the first time he had ever heard it. Because wow. he was curious. When I told him, that, I was like, "Hey, you know, I got the New Testament." So he's like, "Oh, really? How is it?" Because they were in a bad place at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. Are you still I in really touch with him like after all these years? Are you still No, in I saw him once when I hang out with Rob at the Testament show and came up and chatted with him for a while, but no, we haven't spoke too much. Okay, gotcha. It was so... not since we left. I went to the... They played like a big blowout last show at... There's a studio called uh, Jackson Street Studios that was in Oakland that apparently okay. every band you've ever heard of was rehearsing at i didn't really realize that at the time but like anything that came out of the bay area in the 90s was at this place which i believe had a serious fire at some point but oh shit i wasn't there then but that's we i originally took lessons at this little guitar shop in berkeley but then he moved to his rehearsal studio at jackson street and there was a huge blowout show at the end that you know all sorts of bay area thrash legends were at i'm sure and it was like the going away party sort of thing. Um, but, uh, definitely. Yeah, from then to then. I never that really asked important. where you were growing up. Where What city Oakland. were you? Oh, just I, Oakland. Yeah, I've never really... I mean, I'm, I'm in a different city now, but you guys are local and realize that it's basically the same place. I've been in Oakland, California my whole life, mm-hmm. basically. We, I moved here to Alameda, I guess, 12 years ago at this point, but it's across the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two minutes from Oakland, so. Definitely. So what, uh, to to take it back to the recording real quick, what you said Castle Ultimate 5, so what 
Number was the Emeryville studio. Emeryville was three. Okay. I was so, I mean, the original three. studio I was just at today, literally. Like, the 2002, we opened the first studio after. And, I mean, I might as well just finish this progression for you. I'll, I'll do a quick version here. I Oh, it's all good. I, I, you know, kept recording, started recording more and more bands in high school. I was in a lot of bands. I mean, I was playing a lot. I was recording the stuff I was doing. I, you know, you, I know you mentioned on podcast on on this podcast before it got brought up that you know i recorded i think the last album i did that i did like just at my parents house was shut it down by animosity uh, but i had yeah. done a bunch of other records at that house after i had moved out moved back in when i was 19 and stayed there just kind of developing more and more stuff with the studio stuff until me and my best friend Aaron decided we were gonna go in and try to actually build a legitimate recording studio at this rehearsal at, you know, the biggest rehearsal place in Oakland that's still there. It's called Oakland Music Complex now. It was called Soundwave Studios at the time, which Soundwave mm -hmm. Studios still exists, but it's like an hourly rental place. All of this is still there. I was rehearsing for the Light the City tour I did three years ago in the same room that used to be my control room trip. up what on the trip. third floor. So yeah, we rent out rooms 311, 313, and, you know, we're in pretty much ground floor when they opened, you know, they had just started renting out that place. To, so how, tell us the animosity place. story. How did you hook up with those guys? How'd you cross paths? I think paths? he had heard, I actually heard him tell this story. So it's, he had heard my band, Ultimus, which was like a semi-joke butt rock band I was doing, where we would write... I, I don't know how to describe it because it wasn't necessarily intentionally comical, but eventually it was like, yeah, it was over the top, silly white snake, iron maiden sounding metal stuff. But it, you know, I still love when I hear those songs back, I'm like, God, we, some of this shit we wrote was fucking hilariously. Yeah. Good. You guys were really serious good. about it, but at the same time it had a fun comical. It developed vibe. from what was supposed to be a ska band. This guy who was a super fan of me and what ended up being the bass player's band, but the bass player is actually the saxophone player in the popular ska band I was playing in. Like, that mm. was, like, his connection to us. He's like, I really want to start a band with you guys. And day one, just day one of what was supposed to be, you know, practice for our hard rock ska band, immediately abandoned ska entirely. And our saxophone player is like, I'm playing bass in the band from now on, period. And... You're playing drums, Zach, and he's playing guitar, and that's it. And then, you know, that turned into us getting the drummer who ended up being in Clearing On Skies and Apiary and all that stuff, and actually being like a kind of real band. We played real shows, which in retrospect is amazing. But he, yeah, Naveen had heard that, or no, I shouldn't say Naveen, I think Leo, the singer, or his brother had heard it. They had just recorded a pretty, I don't want to throw somebody way too far under the bus, but a pretty horrible sounding demo that was like some old guy's analog straight to tape studio, which just didn't suit at all what they were doing. They weren't, I don't, they might've been the first like straight up blast beat death metal band I recorded, but you know, they weren't the first metal band I recorded. I had already done the Abhorrence record, which is the Santa Cruz band that as far as I yeah. never technically broke up. Uh, maybe Brandon, did, sorry. yeah. I actually, Brandon, Brandon was just commented, yeah. I had done... Oh, is he in the chat right now? 
Oh, he just uh, on my Facebook thing. I just posted that okay. we're live, and he's like, "Fuck yeah!" And he's in here somewhere. Yeah, Brandon Fitzgerald, right? Uh, yep. And I'd done that. I'd done all. So I had completely. What I had done by 2001 is like completely take over the ska and pop punk hardcore scene of that part of the Bay Area. Everybody mm-hmm. wanted to come do her albums with me. The first thing I did on a label actually was a band called. It was one of two bands. I can't remember which, but one of them was this band. The program came and did an album, and it was on Jamie Josta's label. I forgot what that's hmm. called. Stillborn Records, I think. And then that, I did some other ska band that was on Orange Peel, and then I was like, okay, this is serious. I'm finally making enough money that this is viable, that we could pay rent. Mm-hmm. And Aaron had just, he, he went to recording school. I never went to school, but he went to recording school. It had just been graduating, and we, I think we first rented in August 2002. So it's a little more than 20 years ago we had the first place where we stayed till 2005, did all sorts of stuff, you know. And back then we were just booked every day of the month because it's him and me, and both of us didn't have like a secondary place we can work on anything. So, you know, we're going to be there if we're... Anything I'm doing, production with the band, was in there. And then we had a problem the whole time that we were there, that it was so noisy there. I don't know if mm. you guys have been to a busy rehearsal studio, yet alone yeah, the most yeah. popular one in the East Bay area by far. But, you know, when there's like 80 bands, a lot of them serious ones, like High on Fire could play on the other side of the building, and it would make it possibly bleed into a recording we're doing of some acoustic guitar or something. Right. So it felt very unprofessional from the get-go. And we had built a floated floor and an isolation booth. And it was just kind of all in vain. It's just like, you can't stop. We had a guy named Be Legit next to us who worked with uh, E-40 a lot. Oh, hell like, yeah. Was doing all... But like the his bass was just like intoxicating <laughs> you while you're sitting there trying to work on something unrelated. So we loved... The environment, it was a really good time, but we always had our eyes out for like a new place. And we were really actively looking at a few things when we found a place in Oakland that was a totally autonomous studio and ended up being the worst decision we ever made. We, so this we is Cast Ultimate 2 right here? Yeah, we signed a five-year lease and we made it like five or six months there oh. until we were like, we have to do anything to abandon ship and get out of this lease. Mm. It was hard. It was one of the hardest times to deal with because there was issue after issue. Cops were getting called on us constantly because of noise complaints because there were apartment buildings above it. Mind you, this had been a studio for, you know, 10 years before we took it over. The problem we didn't anticipate is that studio was not successful at all. And they weren't having bands. And at that point, we were bringing in people 24 hours a day. Right. And... You know, we were both just wanting to go, go, go. And we Hungry, it. yeah. And it was problematic. Mm. And then we eventually found that Emeryville spot, which always, like, from day one, I was like, this place looks like shit. But boy, this works, you know? Like, right. there's no one's going to bother us here. It's a good location. It's actually pretty big and set up real well. We had an ISO booth. We had the live room. We had kind of a second ISO booth if we wanted to. Yeah. No bathroom at first. We built our own, which was a huge disaster on its own but other than being dirty as hell that place actually worked pretty well for us 
It was uh, our first, well, my first uh, real recording experience. Copper crabs in the house. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. What up, guys? What up, guys? Uh, What's up? Girls? Shout out Naveen and Chaney. Love you guys. Love you guys. Oh, it was funny because oh, yeah. that just came up in what you were just asking about. But, uh, yeah, so moving forward, then, like, you know, you, that's the place you guys were at. All three of you, I think, I first recorded mm-hmm. at that castle ultimate. Number three, yeah. Mm, Number okay. four was actually, I mean, definitely my favorite or second favorite of the places. Because, I mean, the place we were at now is really cool. This place was an unbelievable deal for us. And it was too good to be true because the same thing that happened at the second studio kind of happened here. It just took a lot longer. But, you know, we go there and it was in Fremont. So that was a huge pain in the ass. That was the only thing that was pain in the ass. It was an awesome studio. I think, yeah, Casey was definitely there. I don't Not know. That's the one that we did. The, I did the guest solo thing. Yeah, you did guest guitar okay. solo at. That's I loved right. that place. That was a cool uh, spot. I think Anthony so, made so it really there. Is? Yeah. I thought, oh, okay. uh, for the can for this one right here, Continuum. Yeah, was, Continuum. That was, an, op- was it in Fremont? No, I thought that was no. in Oakland. No, that, that was, was one near at my current studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, then I, I never made it to that one, the Fremont one. The Fremont one was basically the entirety of 2010. Yeah. Like we moved there early mm-hmm. 2010 and then we left yeah, it sometime I did, uh, in 2011. Odious Cryptic was 2006. We were doing that with you. Son of Release then... recorded there though, for sure. At three? And, yeah. No, at four. Oh, at Fremont. That's okay. the Fremont spot. They, they did something at all three studios actually, but. Uh... Mm hmm. But yeah. that studio, the Fremont studio, I remember, you know, I did an all-shot Parish record there. I did a, a lot of really, like, work I'm really proud of that, like, came out of that studio. And not only that, but it was just a good time. We had, it was a clean, nice, well-set spot. There was a, you know, a pretty big ceiling live room. There was, you know, it was just everything I wanted to have in a studio. Mm-hmm. And it was just a guy who was sublet letting it us to us because he signed his like 20 year lease in 1995 and was still making a good bit of money just renting it to us wow uh, which we found out about that place from sam pura who was leaving it right before he built his own place which he's at to this day and he's like you know the spot isn't that bad you should really check it out and he was sharing it with some other guy and we we loved it, but once again, same problem happened. There was like a microchip manufacturer next door that kept complaining about us to the point where the owners were like, well, let's just get this stupid place out of here and tear down this $200,000 build-out that some guy, poor guy, had done that was paying, you know, really minimal rent on for years and years. And they're like, well, if we just turn this place around, well, we can make, which sounds hilarious now, like 2011 money instead of 1995 money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'd say they timed pretty poorly if whoever's there has been there ever since. But you know, right. Uh, and so that immediate, you know, that was that was a blow to us. But you know, I was I had already done several records at Shark Bite where you guys just recorded a few weeks ago. Like I had done, I had done Cal Decapitation there. I had done Arsonist Girl. The girls there, Carnifex. We spent a month in the studio there. And like so it was familiar to me already like i had already done it's a birth recorded there i forgot that you did your drum tracking for polarity there 
So it's like I had done a few things there. I already had a relationship with That's Ryan. Right. So when Ryan found out about our, the owner, sorry, he found out about our situation. He's like, you know, I've got these rooms that have been a, you know, our second mix studio that we're not booking all that much. Maybe you take it over and like reconfigure. And then after lots of talking, we figured out to like actually take that and the room next door to make the room next door our control room and make what was a giant like mix studio into our live room. And we mm -hmm. built walls and ceiling all with him. I shouldn't say we, cause I got to give Brian a lot of credit. You know, he is like, let's do this. Let's take this on. And you guys have seen it. It's put together pretty well. And yeah. you know, we didn't, we did not pay him a ton at all to do all that construction. We when you go to three the and then you come back and it's five, then you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, dude, Zach's doing good, dude. Because well, yeah, we were talking about the th <laughs> three being how dirty. I remember the bathroom. I remember like mm -hmm. during our recording thing, that we were like, I showed up one day and uh, you were like, yeah, dude, we've been, there was a bum in the bathroom last night and he, he wouldn't leave and we had to call the police or some shit like that. Do you remember something <laughs> yeah. like that happening? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so you're you're referring. So that was earlier on. That's part of why we built our own inside the our room because there was yeah. a communal one that was like shared by a bunch of meth heads. Like, oh shit, they weren't actually really in the room. No, I'm talking about there was a separate. Yeah, you the, had bathroom, was, yeah like, the bathroom. Yeah, the bathroom was communal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we made a non-communal one because of ongoing issues with that bathroom. There was like. I remember forever there was graffiti on the wall in that bathroom that said, now I know what it's like to take a shit in San Quentin. And everybody got a kick out of that. <laughs> this is what it felt like. It looked really rough. It was yeah, very yeah. rough, dude. <laughs> Apparently bands I know like recorded, it used to be called something else. It's now a keyboard museum and is thriving from what I hear. Interesting. Whoa. Yeah, like the guy who took it over, he asked me about it. I was like, you know, the it is what it is. The the uh owners were always pretty kind to us and like but they were really unattentive like we'd be like hey the roof is like seriously leaking like they're like oh that's weird <laughs> <laughs> you know like they were not yeah they were not helpful but they like left us alone pretty good that's and... what i was gonna say so it's like it sounds like the um trajectory is like you either get one side or the other you know yeah Mm -hmm. Either the quiet space to do your own thing, but you're dealing with a, you know, decaying building around you, or you get a good place, but everybody's making noise around you, or you're getting noise complaints. Right. You know? So finally, at five, Castle Ultimate Five, you're zero problems. You have zero problems now. The only problem we had initially is it would get really hot, and then we installed AC, and then since that moment, I would say that place was. Great. Yeah. Is great. It's still there. Now it's just Machine Head Studio. And okay. I've just been working permanently at Sharkbite since 2013. I mean, I shouldn't say permanently. I've, I'm still just paying him daily of the place, but it works fine for me doing things that way. Totally. A lot more on demand. And, you know, I'd already started opening up the fact that I started working at home a lot. You know, I brought home, you know, the desk you recorded, Decrepit Birth, cryptic everything continuum is sitting right next to me in a bedroom over there right now Sick, wow. dude. so nice. it's it's that it's the same speakers too i mean if you it's 
not like problematic for me to be working at home. And once it wasn't, it started being like, okay, well, I can have a better balance of, because I would get really burnt out just being indoors, no windows in the studio for, you know, 20, 30 days a month. It just doesn't work, especially the older you get. I kind of, I mean, it worked when you're just like hustling and young, but like, that's not something I want to do now. So at your age, though, good at doing one question I have with your age and, and, and how many, and I have a, a I'm going to do a little segment here and go through like I, one I've question always, I have with your age. <laughs> well, I mean, your age and your experience is like with ear fatigue, as far as like being it's a huge problem. <laughs> I know for you, I, I, I mean, what do you do? Is there a certain point that you hit like when you're in the studio now that you just know, okay, well, this is going on now and I need to step away for a certain amount of time or you're just, you guys are I'm way beyond that. that. I'm, I'm I'm literally yeah. I just don't trust what I'm doing in the studio too much, and okay. I try to like know when like I know certain things that I really want to have fresh ears for, mm-hmm. tracking wise, and we're yeah. just talking about tracking here. So I'd say less than fifty percent of the work I'm doing right now is you know me, tracking an album and you know, doing it start to finish is not as much of a thing that I've done as much lately because I'm getting so much mix work, but the. It's that objectiveness that I used to, you guys remember this, I would go straight start to finish often in a day, you know, like Mm -hmm. I really feel like that doesn't work for me very well anymore. And might if I felt more comfortable with the monitoring in Sharkbite, but I haven't really ever felt that I could trust it, (laughs) you know, things have a tendency to sound really good in there in, you know, it's just not. I never really got into a good system, I think, until about five, six years ago when I started really having like kind of a three prong system of making sure I'm listening in short bursts of things and that I'm listening on a lot of different things that I know well. Like I know the studio monitors well. I know my home studio monitors real well. And I know my headphones, like my in-ears that I go running with. And those are actually just as important to what I'm doing. And anytime like, I can make a switch in them, it's you know throws me off for a little bit. But I'm starting to learn how to adapt to new speakers a little bit. So better. do you go running and, and work with mixes I really while do. you're running? I really do to more extent than I, especially with balanced stuff and like making sure. Because I mean, I'm, I intentionally don't go out and buy super high-end headphones. I'm just using like like the current higher-end Galaxy Buds. The everyday man kind of like headphones that you're going to yeah, hear. Or yeah, or yeah. even if use like AirPods isn't a bad yeah. idea to check stuff. Though those never fit me for some reason, those kind of style. But like, you know, the actual plug-in-your-ear ones seem to work pretty well for me. So that Using goes along headphones with like... isn't reliable enough because they move around on your head too much, I feel like. Even the yeah, fancy yeah. new ones that they're like, oh, they're the as good as being in a studio. And I like try them like, yeah, but still if I move it like a tiny bit one way or the other, Everything it changes. shifts. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like they sound great. They're yeah, great yeah. for listening and having a good time. But I can't. I've never been one that thinks that you can. Mix I mean, going into your car thing. too. Like I mean, from yeah, like going from those studios. Part. You know, go those. We talked about those barefoot, whatever fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollar monitors. Like you going from those to like an actual what the everyday person is going to listen out of. Um, like yeah. So like kind of to David's question, he's asking about like, you know, you can't like rely probably on the monitors too much until like you bring it out of the studio and then you go in to like a real environment, correct? Yeah, and what I like to do is just make sure it sounds good on all four. And yes, actually, car was the last part I was trying to mention, and I forgot. But yeah, car, yeah. 
And also, once again, I don't. Not trying... Not some high-end, fancy, souped-up car stereo. Just, like, plug it in my, you know, Toyota mm-hmm. Camry. Like, Still, I want to yeah. hear the f- what's going to get revealed, both mm-hmm. in, like, really nice listening environments and in really limit. Not to mention just mono on a cell phone. Like, that is... Interesting. Sadly... Or it's actually not mono. These things are stereo. I don't know if you've ever, like, put it behind your head and realized yeah, it's yeah. completely stereo these days. But, you know, it's essentially mono because it's, you know, sitting in front of someone... Don't forget that, like, the audience you're working with these days with your mixes is, like, probably over 50% of them are hearing it on a cell phone while they're doom scrolling. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. That's and true. that might be their first introduction to things. And sometimes I don't really see stuff in that way. And then I see what works and doesn't work. I'm like, well, actually, no, these mixes that sound great on the cell phone are really what pop out to people the quickest these days. Yeah. Everybody's doing everything on a cell phone. I'm doing everything on a cell phone. Everybody is, especially so people do, 40 or doom under. scrolling, by the way, you said doom scrolling. Is that like the, the end, like when you're in the morning, never and stop, scrolling? Dude, yeah. I didn't know there's a term for in it. In the morning. Like, I know people just like, do this 24 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I've it's been known to do it. Whole... It could just like, going on Instagram the... or going on anything yeah. and you're just scrolling. Well, it's like, I need to go to bed at your story time and you yeah, you need to go to bed by 11 and you just are scrolling and then before you know it's like one or something, you know what I mean? Like that, that's doom scrolling, mm-hmm. correct? I, I don't want to define it, but I think so. But I mean, yeah, yeah. it's where I've you're, you'll have, you're literally scrolling and you don't, you, you can even be sitting outside of yourself like, look at what you're doing, dude. And you just keep going, looking for the one little yeah, like, jolt dopamine. of whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Exactly. That actually I mean, makes... I'm gonna start calling it that now. <laughs> it is. A, it should be I'm sure one of you guys can look it up in the dictionary. Like it's literally probably you find it in like the urban dictionary right corner. there. Yeah. No, I bet it's in the non-urban. It's probably in the Webster <laughs> now. Yeah, I'm serious. It's a well. That's a well-known really? term. Really? I've think. never even heard that. I'm looking it up. We can't. We can't <laughs> talk about this and be wrong. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I've definitely heard the term too and i always look I've at it never like, heard it it's I kind of always, like whenever i hear like oh dude i do that sometimes you know every time doom scrolling or like... doom surfing is the act of spending an excessive amount of screen time devoted to the absorption of negative news okay so oh, apparently no. it's, you know okay, okay. Oh. okay misusing the term then sorry yeah, well, yeah. I'm coming close, what, but like you know, we call it zombie stroll, zombie scrolling, <laughs> dude. Where you just like it's <laughs> scrolling, moon <laughs> 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 scrolling, bro. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no but, it's. I think it's doomed no matter what, even if it's positive or negative. If you get stuck into well, it, I was going to say cycle long enough. With the listening, you're right, dude. It's like yeah, you're right. I do it. What, you gotta listen to something you're gonna listen to it on your phone first because that's the quickest it gets to you dude that's just how society is now so as a as a producer engineer mixing mastering uh, that's your profession like you have to adjust to the current state of affairs dude absolutely i mean that's i see people fail to do that constantly and i you know everybody gets stuck in takes and i think it's helped me not completely disappear you don't see many engineers and producers that like actually stick around for various reasons sometimes people burn out sometimes people do what we're talking about right now and they just like completely they'll get negative energy around new trends and instead of adapting to it they'll just get stubborn about it you know Mm -hmm. or be like 
a guy in the early 2000s being like, no, only analog sounds good. It's like, okay, but you really think that's where this is going? <laughs> you know, yeah. now you can't even buy tape. We got, we had tape machines in Sharkbite and less and less people use them to the point where he just put them in the attic. We have, you know, a nice Atari and a, uh, I forgot what the other one is, but he has them and they were so unused and it's so difficult to get like fresh tape for them. And it's like, nobody actually cares yeah. at this point. No, that's yeah. actually one of my, uh, I mean, talking about your recording and stuff, you know, like getting a recording with Zach. One thing that Zach is really good at is just like all the filters or whatever that you think you have, like he's going to tell you like straight up, like, that's why you, that's not like making sense <laughs> in this format. Like he's, he'll just give you like the honest answer. He's not going to be like, let me rub your shoulders and tell you that's going to be okay on analog. He's going to be like, no, it's not going to sound great for what you guys are doing. I don't think that's a good idea. And it's just a straight, just a straight shooter. He's like not gonna like bullshit you and and blow sweet nothings in your ear he's gonna be like this is not a great idea for what the sound you guys are going for and uh that's one of the the best qualities obviously you're an amazing engineer on, on top of that but you're getting people to be like all right dude i know you had this cute idea in the beginning but like for what you're going for that's probably not going to be the path you should take you know and that's i mean that's, i appreciate yeah. that but and part of that i'd say often then one of the best ways to end up working is that I'm not working on the very first time with the band. I think the second, third records, and sometimes like just doing like a demo or something like, but once bands get in a groove, it's always a little easier unless mm. they just, to some groups just meld with me immediately. But like, sometimes it's just like, you gotta, once people recognize something like what you just said, it's a lot easier to just keep working forward. Also, mm. you're talking about, I mean, you last, I mean, you last recorded with me a few weeks ago, but. That was very chill, and in many ways, your parts were done beforehand. But I'm talking like back when we did Cryptic. Yeah. That record's in the middle of one of the craziest runs of work I'm doing. Like you guys were talking about, Castle Ultimate 3 is a shithole. But I look at the work that came out of there, it's wild. It's wild mm. what was recorded in that garbage studio from mm. 2007 to 2009. It's Yeah. A, it's like... There's records that I don't even, I sometimes forget happened that are, you know, culturally significant or the band has just jumped off and become something enormous and completely. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so we did cryptic that, and that period. We did, di we did diminishing there too, right? Yep. Absolutely. And then, uh, did, did you guys do survival insurrection or seven mm -hmm. savior there yeah. too? Yep. Survival was uh, there too. Yep. That's right, dude. Okay. And then we did Polarity at Shark Bank. I think it's it it's pretty much Animosity yeah. that started all this, because I remember Animosity was the one going, they were, like, pushing Odious to be like, you have to go with Zach. Yeah. You have to go yeah. with Zach. And then, like, once, like, Odious went to, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Once Odious went to Zach, you, um, yeah. all, all this death metal kind of flooded there. Is that correct, or is that not correct? I'd say that's not correct, just because I think that the band that was really actually giving me a touch of death metal work was... All Shot Parish, who we start working okay. together in 2002. Okay. And that led to tons of death metal before then. But I do feel like, yeah, I do really feel like that and Severed Savior and those those three bands were like the first three true tech death bands that came through. It's kind of a different genre, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, also, by the way, no, Polarity was recorded at Sharkbite and we did you know, when we re-amped guitars or whatever, we did that at uh, 
at Castle Ultimate 4. You just weren't there. Okay. Mm. But we definitely finished... The, Bill even came in a few times back there then. I mean, both those... You know this. Those decrepit birth records were disjointed and strange, and Matt recorded the guitars at home, and, and I don't mean he recorded DIs. And we, like, Diminish was done at Matt's discretion, you know? Like, so we, th- it was a lot of... That record's a lot less straightforward than, you know, like you said, Cryptic. Cryptic was in and out in a week or something like yeah. that. <laughs> like most of the things I was doing. That was just a basic start to finish, let's get it done thing. And but that you, was our I first... wanted to say you came and did vocals way later. Yeah, I, well, with Cryptic, it was, I think, the last three days or something like that was me. And then, uh, well, with Severed, yeah, it was split up. I did, a, I did four songs and then took a break because I, there was a death in the family, my grandma, and I just mm-hmm. fucking That's couldn't pull through. That. And then I came back and finished Servile with you. But yeah, it's uh that those are some of the coolest times in my life. Do you like as as anybody in a band? It, the recording process is always like we're finally we're gonna solidify this in time now. You know, yeah, everything that we've been doing in the rehearsal studio up to this point, we're finally gonna just you know freeze it in in amber you know and this is what it's gonna be and so i'll always look back at all those uh, sessions where ego is is something that should should not be in the record recording studio because working with somebody like you you the way that you communicate with me at least personally this is just um i don't you know as as a vocalist like there's times where I, I think you helped me realize that, uh, you know, a take wasn't sh- what it should be. Give it a different this and that. And I did it mm-hmm. and then it ended up being better, you know, and and just so going back and forth with somebody like you was somebody was something that helped me learn the recording process and 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 to not let your ego get in the way of things you may think that this is the way that you had it planned but now we're in this situation and it ends up being something different that i mean with the continuum thing it was something i went in there with no patterns whatsoever i just came in there with words and we we freestyled the way that we were going to say it to that song that day and that was actually another cool experience and you were there for us at that time too to tell us like no dude that do it again you know and and i, I love that so well, that was like what 2013, because something like that, yeah, around the, there. We're not. It talking came out a long time later. Yeah, the, that's Riley on the new continuum, right? Yeah. Right. I, when I, I just did a guesty, yeah. all I did was just come in oh, for a okay, day. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I came in I for a day, see. and uh, when Josh was still involved, and um, right, right, okay, that makes so sense. The second track on that album is Josh, me, and Riley, and but that was literally just no preparation and how it was going to be said how we were going to do it it just came with a pile of lyrics let's go and i thought that that was a cool experience too and again just to go back with what i was saying having somebody like you behind the board and on the mic to immediately c- communicate with during that it just was a good learning experience in a in a great way and and that's what i'm saying for all the young cats get your ego out of the way just get your oh, yeah. get your shit on point make the song what you want it to be 
And then when you go into the studio, whoever you're working with, just know that that dude should be more professional at, at hearing what it's supposed to be. And I mean, obviously not changing songs on you in the studio, but I'm saying like your takes. Exactly. <laughs> it sometimes what you, I'm like, it depends what you're wanting to do. Here's a little. I, yeah. do, I have done some good work with people, especially more recently, where it's like they're neat. They're and I wouldn't do it without being asked to, but like you know, like they want to help help with arranging stuff and mm -hmm. putting mm -hmm. songs together, and that's not something I'm bad at. I'm bad at. My creativity got destroyed around the time I was 18, 19 years old by this job. Like, anything I do, would I write a song now? I was just like, no, this is dumb. Everything seems silly, mm -hmm. derivative, and I, like, lost any passion to, like, write my own stuff and riffs or... What I liked doing was, like, drums. Is like, I didn't mind writing drum parts. But I had a huge problem with, like, writing the music that they were going to. Like, I don't know if it's an ego thing. It might be. Because I just, everything I read, like, this sucks. I can't put my name behind this. I just can't be a part of this. And so it's like, when other people bring me parts of a puzzle to put together, I still feel I have a pretty good knack to help them put that together well. I was so, going to bring up, the, the, actually, to have you guys together right now, I don't remember it fully, but there was a part in um, the last song, Collapse of Recreation, Joel, that that I think that Zach actually played on bass, and we didn't oh, put okay. him in the liner notes, because really? we had it no, one no, no, way. I, I my, think you're mixing it up with, there was a demo, the demo, we did the demo, and Dan did a little bit on bass. Cause I can, it was so fast. I can, I, my memory is Zach's like, dude, you should play it like this. And he grabbed the bass and he did something. That, I mean, he did that with all realm. I mean, with all realm, I mean, and then and actually liner notes, Casey actually ended up fucking nailing that acoustic part. Remember that Zach? Zach yeah, actually no, was like, I, I wrote a post yeah. about that. Cause I, yeah. it was literally one of the funniest things. Yeah. All of us played it. Carrie <laughs> yeah. says, Joel should play this part. He, we were we were hoping he'd play more stuff. Let's have Joel try it. Joel immediately <laughs> picked it up. Was like, okay, now you're better at it. You do it, Carrie. Carrie yeah. works on it for a while. It turns it sounds easy, but it's actually pretty hard Super to do hard. It that speed and click. Yeah, it's delicate. You can like yep. accidentally pick too hard. And then while he was doing that, I played a weird simplified version in the room. Mm -hmm. So we've recorded Carrie's, but then Carrie's like, why don't you try Zach? Go in there and try the. Uh, simplified version i did that we were like okay cool that's better let's use that instead and then somebody was like well what if you did just the embellishments and i was like i can't i not i haven't played fingerstyle on a guitar in a while it's kind of difficult i could do it but it would take practice i was like wait a second <laughs> can't casey play this casey's in the room <laughs> yeah. why don't we have the best guitar player in here who no. actually has this delicacy to do this to, to try it like casey obviously had it i mean it was a, i just had it was right the... in your wheelhouse of playing well you 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 were playing it like all sick like classical with your fingers and i was like oh i could kind of do that like kind of like fake it with a pick though you, you weren't know? faking it though like i couldn't do it the way you were picking it i'm not oh, good like, at delicately yeah. like you know, playing some like dust in the wind style, like picking stuff. It's Casey, hard he to never, do this Casey stuff. even never tried it. He just like, he just heard it. No. Like, I don't know what you're doing. He was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, he's like, what about this? Casey's being like, modest. Four, he, he yeah, I know, he's super yeah. modest. Yeah. Like, he went well, in this, like, gonna... yeah, just nailed it. 
And we're like, okay, that sounds yeah. way better like that. Like, what are we doing? I, I do Any want band to talk... that doesn't work that way is in doing themselves a disservice. Bands yeah, yeah, that that's true. Like, that's the ego. Oh, the ego I'm going to worry about yeah. who played the part, but the drums are going to be triggered and quantized. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are we talking about? Just like, if <laughs> yeah. unless you're gonna really be like, oh, we all have to be in the room and play together, yeah, like, which I'm, I love doing records like that. That has a feel thing. But if we're not doing it like feel, if we're putting parts together and we're like tracking stuff carefully, yeah, then what are I we mean, talking about? Who's who's playing? Isn't who could do it? If I was. If I was yeah. recording and then this Anthony just came in and just shredded me on the drums, like <laughs> I'd be like, "Fuck this!" Dude. I wish I could. Dude, dude, I so just, sick. I just want to say, I, I, I can't share things because I've tried before and I fail super hard. So this link in the chat here is the, uh, I don't know, Joel, if you want to share it, but that's yeah. us in the studio with you, Zach, uh, doing cryptic. Shit. I don't even so see it. There's a. Uh, oh, there we it, go. It's the. Um, I don't know I how this. It I don't know but how it works. Having so, having <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like you could go in and and record with a dude, and he just fucking phones it in for his Private eight messages. hours or whatever. But hearing this story and you know how I felt working with you in cryptic and servile, and I'm like, no, you actually care about the projects that you're involved in, Zach, and that's that, and it shows, you know. I'm trying to look at this link he posted. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it right. Is on it the, the old screen. one? Yeah, okay. Uh, I've seen this video. It's the 2006 one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, six. You sure it's six? Jesus. It's not seven. Yeah, it came yeah. out in okay. 2007. November 2000 is yeah. after the blood. Yeah. I remember it's November or something. November. I've 06. seen that one. Joel's featured in yeah. that video too. I think. Oh, but, this one. Oh, you're it. playing it. Oh, there oh, you okay. go. Joel's got it. How are you? I'm just getting kind of a hiss. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting kind like, of a really hiss. Oh, there's Josh, dude. Oh, Remember, dude, Zach, I, I did a dry, or I did bass into his ears. That was our quick. Wait, can you make it full screen, Joel? Hold on a second. I can do maybe that. Okay. What, does it, what does it look like this? There you go. That's okay. fine. Yeah. It's, it's lo-fi to begin with. Hey, your bass yeah, yeah, is still yeah. plugged in, right? Yeah. Oh, just so I didn't even have long hair yet. Yep, that's working perfect. Glasses. Look at those screens. You can like change the. Uh, those screens are wild. See, we're still in the CRT era. Damn. What a so trip. to everybody listening, this is the garbage stew. This is Castle Ultimate Three. I guess yep. three. The trashy yeah, one that was functional. The functional yep. trashy. Yeah, number three. <laughs> I love That's this cr- video. I've seen. It. <laughs> Funny side note too, when when Dan shout came out in, Dan Eggers, yeah, love Dan. Mm-hmm. Dan Eggers, amazing. But we when Dan came in because Dan had to work, um, he couldn't play with Casey, so it was like, Joel, can you like dirty up your bass and then play with Casey uh, in his ears? And I was like, fuck, because we had no click or anything clicked out. And uh, Dan came in after we were done and was like, dude, you guys went way too fast. Like, I don't know <laughs> if I can play this. He was like freaked out. He was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Oh, well, Matt, we were all excited, you know, to be in the studio. We had no idea, anyways. Can you imagine if that record was slower? What's that? I know. Because, like, that's kind of the thing. Like <laughs> I was saying, like, this, those three records kind of set the groundwork for, like, a decade of tech death coming to me right after that. Of just, like, too, so way too many bands to name that were all, I think, predicated on that sound that was i'd say a lot of it was coming out of santa cruz california frankly like you, there was a santa cruz death metal style that i think really started to reflect on the greater world after that 
also simultaneously starting this whole deathcore thing because we had just done a lead done that as blood runs black record that blew up yeah you know that kind of stuff was all the exact same period of like 2006 2007 right and i over here i think it's just the mushrooms dude <laughs> is, that, is that really your <laughs> it's not a bad like guess as to what's going on like there's something clearly about that area that created I, I know there's tech death from other places, but there's the Santa Cruz tech death sound. That... When it was weird, it was from, you know, like, Decrepit Birth and stuff that was already there. And then, um, you know, Casey and everyone moved there. And David, right. and uh, they moved there just randomly, just, like, to go to school or something. It was, like, nothing to do with, like, oh, this is the spot where the, the mecca of death metal is. It was, like, they're getting educated there. So it just happened to, like, they lined up there. It was, and, you know, Brain Drill came out of that, too, and, and a lot of that stuff. As yeah, well, like a little later on. David like... and and Casey brought that psychedelic. I would say actually like San Diego psychedelic. Up yeah, yeah. Aspect to Santa Cruz as well too. Like they were down there experimenting while doing all those odious demos and mm -hmm. jamming already like this weird psychedelic, brutal tech death sound and brought it up here. And then we all started to latch on to it. And then I. You know, we started doing shows and blah, blah, blah. We all end up together making weird tech death together at that time. We didn't know. That's the thing. You don't know what you're doing as you're doing it. And I didn't really contribute no. to the sound other than the, the what monster. What you just stuff. said. I got to stop you right there. That right there. You don't know what you're doing while you're doing it is mm -hmm. such so exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about here. Like, you don't know. Totally. When you're at, like this weird period where you're creating stuff that is influencing others like and it's little specs mm -hmm. that are like super important and you don't know it when it's happening you know it like 10 years later it's like with most think about like that when i see bands are breaking yeah yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah that's a really good example those you think yeah. those bands had any idea that this stupid shit they were playing was gonna like latch on become an international sensation no probably not they probably thought yeah. that they fucking hated their parents and their lives and like doing drugs <laughs> exactly I and mean, it's, it's, it's pretty true. good on yeah you're right yeah it's like that's probably yeah. what makes the the best art is is people doing their own thing and they're not like influenced like we have to do we have to one-up this band that's when like things get it's like a little it's all these little cauldrons that are are have been spun and turned for ages now all we did was Throw a couple new spices in it, really, if you think about it. Right. I mean... But I mean, those this, new this, spices kind of... Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, dude, I like this soup. I like this type of soup over here, dude. It's like the, going to the first Machine Head. I mean, you, you know Rob and stuff. Like, the yeah. first Machine Head was groundbreaking. Like, people didn't... Burn My Eyes, that. dude, was yeah. a great, powerful record when I came across it, dude. One of the heaviest recorded albums at the time, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is... And I could tell it was organic feeling. And then um, you could tell, like, bands... Usually, because people always say, I like their older stuff. You know, I like their older stuff. And that's, yeah, I think it's for that... a reason a little bit, kind of, a little bit, because it's, I feel like they're, they're maybe more organic with it in the beginning, and then they're like, oh, we're signed now, what and we have to put out... Yeah, 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 yeah. We have to put up material now. We have to put up. We have. To, we have to put up material now. It was not like in the beginning where they had this like excitement towards it, where there was like a natural excitement, organic excitement. To now where they have to, the labels like put out a new album. Come on, hurry up, do it. Yeah, do it. Do no, it. that's then, the thing. 
Yeah. I think that's why I think there's several factors in what you just said as to why the new record they just did has been so successful. I mean, for one, the same guy mixed it that makes burn my eyes. That helps. But, like, uh, you know, that's the old aspect. The The fresh aspect is they weren't even in a rush to do a record. Like, you know, he just was wanting to put these songs that were coming to him to tape one by one. You know, I'm saying to tape. You know what I mean. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're down, you know, we're so close to each other and, like, I mean, physically, like, we're literally, like, right there together. It's like, when we needed to do something, we did it pretty quick. And then I helped him set up so he could just record vocals the second he's thinking of them. And, you know, we could refine them later. But he had, you know, a good setup to actually just actually track himself for vocals. I think it really changed things that no label was pressuring them you know, to get something done. They were, you know, getting, deciding what to do with their next record deal and that kind of thing. Eventually, mm-hmm. kind of, they put this out jointly between Nuclear Blast and their own record label. And, you know, the, the, their relationship with Nuclear Blast and Roadrunner is all through, you know, the A&R guy, Monty Conner, for, you know, yeah, straight Monty, since yeah. 1994. So, mm-hmm. but I absolutely remember, you know, with the record previous, like, you know, they were under pressure to get a record out you know and there's a lot going on and i don't think that leads to a particularly good creative environment and everybody's trying to you know make their stamp on things and yeah it becomes more financial right right yeah yeah Yeah. it's like what's going to be successful like it's not i don't think anybody's thinking that but like it's it's those pressures are there yeah 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 exactly You, you get that vibe yeah should I've been waiting for every, you know, true creative force to like come out with their pandemic records and some of them have been really amazing and some of them have been seems like maybe they needed all the competi like everybody's different. Like everybody responds different in the studio, everybody responds mm-hmm. differently as people to different stimulus. And that I've talked about, I remember I talked with uh, on the Copper Crab podcast about this, about how there's like these different personality types of people you're recording and you have to immediately recognize them and adapt to them. Like mm-hmm. like the type of people that need to be competitive and challenged. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. it's a bad thing that Metallica and Megadeth exist, coexisted and like absolutely mm-hmm. were like, fuck you to each other and be like, I'm going to one up you. Mm-hmm. yeah as best i can like i think that created like an arms race that spawned sure. creativity Definitely. in that case but like there's also people that need to be left alone and coddled and then there's people that just literally need to be challenged and angered and, yeah like if it's they like, don't get that they have to hate their producer potentially. you can relate like, to sports kind of it's, it's sports kind of oh yeah some, yeah so it's like there's that's you have to be like that in sports like you have to see what the next level is and you have to go above it there's also zen guys in sports that are like all like and everybody says uh like a lot of the you know star quarterbacks aren't the super competitive dudes and some of them are like but some of them are like the i'm just gonna let everything stay calm and do Mm -hmm. my own thing yeah and whoever bothers Mm -hmm. me i'm not bothered by anything you know definitely and rogers Aaron Rodgers. I guess. Are you comparing coaching, getting coached as being in the studio with a producer or something? No, I think well, he was. Talking... 
I was talking about personality types of people that need yeah. to be challenged and need to be competitive. Mm -hmm. And it's not like some people respond really well to, oh, I'm going to be isolated for two years and make a record mm -hmm. with no, I'm just going to finally have a chance to not get influenced by all these outside forces. And some people just really made amazing things. And some people were just absolutely not able to feed off anything because they need it <laughs> they need it things to That's be good upsetting point. them and like yeah. other individuals <clears throat> and it doesn't make i don't think that makes certain types better or worse i just think it's important to quickly recognize what types you're working with i mean speaking on that question i know uh, david posted one in here that actually kind of relates oh. a little bit but um as far as like the most i mean you don't have to say the names but you can if you want. I'll but, uh, think about it. <laughs> like uh, the most like difficult one you've engineered and why, and then like favorite difficult album. Album? Oh, oh, I see. There's the question. Okay. Yeah. Difficult. I'll think of that. Favorite. That so the favorite album's like a favorite child question. So it's like kind of a tricky question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could say so many <laughs> to answer that question. Uh. I mean, I can't, I can't answer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big I've list done something like two to three thousand albums. Not, <laughs> I don't think that's an exaggeration. Think uh, of a um, like super so, fun one though. Like, I just to give everyone an idea. Super fun ones. Just to give everyone an idea, I kind of want to do this real quick. Um, I looked up your discography. <laughs> this would help me right uh, now. Is this on Discogs? Shit. Look at this. Well, I mean, what is that? Work... Discogs? Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, Discogs, that's, that's, no, that's Encyclopedia Metallica, right? No, no, it's just Discogs. No, that's Discogs. I mean, I that's incomplete, on... too. There's all music, I has a on... totally different list. Yeah, I put it on Dark Mars, but... Um... These are only the ones that, like, you know, see the light of day and get put out on a label that gets submitted to Just something. look at these names, though. It's like, you know, you got, you know, obviously, you know, you got... What was it? I saw Ultra Parish, obviously. You Brain Drill, Carnifex, um... Alshbarish again, Flesh Consumed. Jesus, I haven't heard that name in forever. Entheos. Um, the new Morris record that just came out. That's I really enjoyed doing that record. That was fun. Oh yeah, that's my favorite. We've that's our sixth record. I want to say together, and it's easily my favorite. Like Abhorrence, you're talking about like Brand, uh, Brandon's. Sorry to cut uh, you yeah, off. Yeah, that's but... like 2002. Yeah, I love the, these credits from 2002. Down. Are you going uh, chronologically here? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's chronologically. Yeah. Oh, these are real old. So the set your goals thing is, blew up. I wasn't. I was Taste the one. Blood, uh, I started to taste blood with everyone, but I, I have I the physical copy of that album right there. Yeah, I do. Set not. your goals. <laughs> Light your city. I mean, just look at Suicide Silence. Um, so right here, this is where I was talking about this run starting here. I didn't okay. realize how many of these records were going to be like just groundbreaking records. That it's crazy, man. There's cryptic. I see one. cryptic. That tiny little one right there. Um, Red Shore. I'm just like all so many fucking projects, man. Diminishing, severed. Jesus, man. I remember this band. I remember watching this this recording of the bass yeah, player in this guys. band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Blood Oath. So, did you record Blood Oath or mix? No, it? no, just mixed. That was okay, so. Okay. That was uh, something Gerardo just called me. He's like, "Hey, oh Gerardo, that's right. We need to like create a collaboration here because we want Jesus. this to sound more like All Shall Perish and less like their last few albums." Like literally, Good. just to show you guys, I'm like, I mean, it's pro. It's <laughs> it's like t you're like twenty percent through twenty twelve. Right All right, but you asked what's most difficult. Yeah, yeah. And I want to think about that question because there's been some difficult, obviously lots of difficult things. Like it's mixing not egos. Insulting. 
egos and playing and all the things in together like what would you think like the, the hardest honestly just like the what drove me to near insanity would be catharsis by machine head because that became a thing where at the last second i'm mixing something like 55 tracks and i had like a week <laughs> like and it wasn't necessarily the plan all along i was only supposed to be doing the live record but the guy that was mixing the record that whole thing broke off and i'm like well what are we doing it's like well we really like the the rough mixes we've been doing let's just refine those and get them better we'll work with andy sneep and try to get this but like it was so much in such a short period of time there was a deadline to work with that was hard there's no hardest record though that's like you said difficult like you're talking also with people i mean i have had a i've had a record where the band broke up in the studio i was gonna say my side no, was like fights the... Have you nope. ever had anybody get violent with each other? Like, I mean, are you sure? <laughs> There's been a band that was beaten to within an inch of their life in my parking lot, but I never actually got to work with them. Was it before or after a session? Before. Like the... They showed up in town. This is a whole story. You can Google this on Lamgo, but the band was called Armed for Battle, and they had... They were from the Reno hardcore scene, and they... That's right. Animosity, you talked about this on the Copper Crab, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But he just asked, did anybody get physically assaulted? The answer is definitely that time. That's the only time I could think of. That. I, I saw, the only time I had a real fight in the studio that got pretty physical were two brothers in a band. So that sounds like something like that would happen. Dang yeah. <laughs> I, so that, I, so what, Odious they, was contentious, just... right? I remember you guys being pretty testy with each other. I want to uh, say. I don't remember that at all. Not actually. Me and Casey like, might have gotten a little back and forth while I was in the studio. I was in I don't the think booth. there was. I don't remember any like negative vibes actually. No, Maybe not was... negative vibes. Okay. I mean, I've. There's been pl- I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. There was a session yeah. once where there were two members of the band that actively had given up on liking the singer and were truly trying to sabotage him. That's happened before. Sabotage him while the I mean, coming in to just piss him off. Like, they were just, like, walking up. They just wanted him dead. He had apparently, like, really just rubbed them the wrong way at that point. But he, by the beginning of the record, none of this had happened. It had just kind of stretched on. It was one of those sparse Jesus. things. Like, they weren't expecting them to show up, and they showed up just to bother him like they had been done for some time they should have just bothered him. i remember that being like okay wow all right that's one use of your time right uh I, well, there's been a lot of what, dumb shit over the years i he, once canceled a guy who's now a really well-known guitarist like his band was two days into mixing a record with me and i immediately i got such bad vibes from him that i was just like no, it's okay. Like, I don't expect you to pay me or anything, but I think I don't want to move forward working on this project wow. anymore. And then yeah, never yeah. worked with it again. And, like, that guy's somewhat famous now and signed to a label. I hope we never really cross paths or they even remembers that. Yeah. Because it's hilarious to me that they end up being fairly successful because my vibe with them immediately and with many other people from what I hear, but, like, was like, okay, no, I don't want to deal with this person there's plenty of situations where i wish i had done that with people where you know you're just working with people that are genuinely bad people looking to screw over other people those are the kind of people that just need to learn how to record themselves well you know they need to learn how to record it or not or not or just just be afraid i've had bad experiences with labels (laughs) shocker but you know yeah yeah that's that's no surprise well dude zach i was gonna say like uh 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like call out or pinpoint which recording oh, <laughs> we're talking about. No, it's okay. But I was gonna say there is a when I was in the studio with you recently, we were kind of reminiscing about years back, and I've done at least three albums with you before that on drums. You know, then this was a fourth one, and uh, easily the smoothest. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. And it was fun. And it, yeah, but it was funny. We were talking about and there was some. I I want you to just air like just some funny stories or dirt or anything you got on me, dude. Like you're like. Oh, I remember sure. like there was that sure. time like, where you sure. just like I love, I love totally it. I was like, what are you even playing? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, this is like so bad. It wasn't directed at you as much as at your band. So when you did Cryptic Implosion, <laughs> I was like, this guy came in and he fucking just nailed stuff. And I knew you had really good ability as a drummer. And I was really happy with how that record goes. And then the decrepit birth stuff comes around and you're like woefully unprepared and reading off sheet music. And that's record <laughs> one. And everybody's like, well, okay, this is all really last second. Matt just gave me the song. I'm like, then why are we recording now? Like, well, it's like, I've never recorded a drummer before that's like in a serious group that was, I mean, I've done plenty since because this is way more common these days. But like, to He's just ahead of people time. just pass guitar pros around and like, be like, yeah. here, learn this part. And then guys don't necessarily have them. That's a new phenomenon, though. This is what, 2007, I guess, probably. Mm-hmm. And. I'm like, well, why are you here? Like, why would you pay me a daily rate to be here just to not know the songs yet and, like, be struggling through them, especially because I knew you could play them? But, like, you, like, it's decrepit birth. It's not easy. And, like, you had never literally heard <laughs> what you were about to be doing. So, fast forward a few years, probably, I guess, 2009 or 10 now. We're on album two. The last record we did is pretty successful and things are going great. And I assume you guys are like, okay, this is the record where everything gets, everybody gets their shit together. No, it was way no. less prepared. Like, <laughs> yeah, less yeah, was less. ready. It was only half written. There's a few part songs that are just riffs that they had you improvise over, right? This like, is polarity, right? Yeah, this is not yeah. polarity. And I mean, Matt probably had everything together in his head, but he had, uh, apparently, I mean, I think your side of this is that you didn't get this all until last minute, but once again, like you're in this new sheet second. music that you're turning pages nope. while playing bass beats. No, co- no comment. Like, no. <laughs> well, I know Matt, Matt literally you like... You did ask was, for this. There was probably oh, no, I know. I'm just yeah, saying, no, I'm not saying anything. I'm just like, thank I love you. It. Go I love ahead. It. No, but I know, I, know that, I know that Matt was like, you know, just for even me doing like the limited bass stuff I did on it because yeah. I didn't even know the songs. Like when it, when it went to the studio, he just kind of like finished the album real quick and we went to the studio and like came out great but it was like i had, didn't ever hear these songs so i was like well i guess that's gonna be all you dude because i have one day to learn like nine songs it's not or five songs i'm not gonna do it you know what i mean so and that's it was what like, bugs uh, me i'm not yeah, bothered yeah. because it's like oh these guys are sloppy or something no that would never bother me like i've worked yeah. with i love working with musicians that like I like helping people sound better than they can yeah. actually play. I don't have any problem working that. That wasn't the, the issue I had with this is like, you were an elite drummer. Matt was an elite guitar player. Mm. You guys were this band with all this like talent and you had songs, but like at no point before coming to me, had you actually rehearsed or like played them even once. And I'm like, that's obviously not the best story. way to go about things. No. So yeah, that's true. I, I, one thing I'll say that's pretty funny is, so there's that song like i think it's metatron or something and yeah. that was a mm-hmm. song that was i never played live 
So that was a song that uh, was, I think we played Polarity and a symbiosis. couple of Symbiosis. We played some of those, like those, those songs off Polarity live, like towards the end. But uh, I was leaving the band. And so I was doing the album, like, and then I left the band. But basically, um, we we never played that song live. And then I, I think I remember, like, it was a game where somebody was talking about, like, songs that they l- like to play or something. And like, oh, yeah, you know, like Metatron and this or something. I don't remember who was talking about it. And I was just like, I don't even know how that song goes. Like, (laughs) honestly, I I really don't. But I should. Like, it's so funny. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen to Clarity. The first single from the record, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah, but there's some times I listen to it and I'm like, oh wow, this is a cool song. I wish I like knew how it went. Like, (laughs) but it just, dude, Matt is. I have to say the even though that's like hard to do that like or, or that's chaotic like recording a lot of songs like right off the bat but that dude wrote like so many songs so fast so and quick. it's oh, yeah, like no. insane you know yeah but yeah, yeah. None of that's what i'm complaying about no, no, i know <laughs> i know i'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just i'm just preparation yeah, yeah. going no, in no i love what you're saying i'm just saying on my end yeah yeah it's a prep thing and like yeah yeah, yeah. totally dude it's not it's nowhere near like Oh man, see, like that is the problem that you just brought up. It's like, yeah, there's good stories, but like, some of them are too specific, and I don't want to like call <laughs> okay. out some random yeah, band. Okay. But like, but yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm thing. I'm just trying to think of what needs to be removed. So like, there's a band that was doing a cover song of a very popular song on a album, on a record, on a big label, and hmm. I know this song they're covering really hmm. well. Known, have probably known how to play it since I was like 14, and they come in, they're like, cool. Yeah, we didn't really like think this we didn't like learn it too well or anything but you know like we've got it you know it's this it's such and it's such. a cover. we know how to play it right yeah they're like cool and they play it. i'm like i don't think like every riff was like the weird kirkland brand version of the riff <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like quite right and i was like shout like, out oh. kirkland brand bro dude and, like oh my we're god i was i also warned them i'm like you know these cover songs they i say this to bands all the time like you think it's going to be something you could just tack on the record. I bet you'll spend the most time on there. Like, no way. No oh, way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. And then, like, they absolutely spent the most time on it. I end up having oh, yeah. to, like, play parts. And sh- I was like, you cannot put this out. I, We made it, like, really far. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking about this as a band for you guys. Like, this could be a really bad thing if you put this out. Because it's like, you I put out, it. like, a famous song with parts that are just like a little bit off all over the place yeah i mean just like yeah. the wrong notes like all like you're just gonna look foolish like it's not okay we're gonna have to go through this and analyze and get it right you did know? they take your uh advice and not put it out yeah we also had time in this particular case because like i said it was a big label recording and all this kind of stuff i was just like that's the kind of stuff that will drive me nuts in the studio because i'm like you have to think about those kind of decisions before yeah. you actually commit to like, oh, we're gonna cover, I don't know, Stairway to Heaven, but we're gonna play it like totally wrong. Like that's a bad <laughs> idea. And with some, I love covers that are adaptive. <laughs> like you know, like you're doing like a death metal version of Madonna or something. Sure, whatever. But like we're yeah, talking yeah. like a death metal version of death metal, and you just play it wrong. No one <laughs> is gonna forgive you for that. Yeah, they yeah. Give you so much shit. <laughs> Right. Uh, no, yeah, no, I, I totally get you. that. 
Yeah. I remember that's... I saw Body Count did like a cover of oh God, yeah. uh, what was it? Of Slayer or something? Slayer, yeah, they did Rain of Blood, I think, right? And I remember I was like, This isn't bad, but he's playing it like once again, it was like the same yeah. thing where it's like the riffs aren't quite right. Like yeah. he played like not quite the guitar or something. Like how like this was really well produced. Why did somebody step in and just be like, Hey, you know, that riff actually goes like almost like what you're playing, but you're playing it wrong. Yeah. These are like really famous riffs. And I, was, I guess nobody cared because people loved it because it's iced tea and it's fucking great sounding. But like the song, the riffs are wrong. Voodoo off the first album. That's the f- fucking best song by Body Count, dude. And it's, it's, it's hilarious, hilarious, dude. It's hilarious. It, it was. I remember them just being. I've seen them twice. Actually, I saw them in a private Nam concert with a. Uh, it was oh. them and Interloper. It was random two people. It was like 2019. Was that and, Miles? Uh, Miles, yeah, Miles yeah, and cool. uh, the other guitar player of uh, he's in Faceless for a little while, uh, Andrew. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, they were they were great, but then um, they did that. Uh, Body Count came on, and did that cover, and fucking Ice T was just pissed. Just like <laughs> it's like it was like a really small, intimate venue, and the okay. the mosh pit was like the most violent mosh pit I've ever been in, just because everything it was at the Grove in uh, in Anaheim, so yeah, it's like kind of like this. Yeah. Was he pissed in yeah. character or was he actually pissed? No, he's like, we're playing Slayer, motherfucker. You guys better go nuts. Yeah, so he's showing, yeah. he's showing his, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, you better, he's like, pissed off that the pit wasn't crazy enough. And I was like, getting like punched in the, it was like insane. It was like, I was getting like brutalized. But then I just heard the riff and I'm like, wait, you're playing it wrong. <laughs> like, like, <Yeah>. what's going on? <laughs> oh, so like, you noticed what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That's like, when you said that, I immediately was like, was telling yeah. everyone just like, I mean, they had the spirit behind it, and it's iced tea. You see, iced tea is right in front of you, so you're like, "Fuck, this is like intense." Like, well, that's like, what bugs oh. me most. It's a good cover, except yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's like the bizarre choice to play. It's not a choice. That's the thing. I think he just didn't bother like really pick it up correctly. It just yep, keeps doing exactly. it. And I'm like, "What are exactly. you doing?" So, <laughs> what if that is really like Ice T is just wanting to do a Slayer cover, but he's only the vocalist, so he can't. He can be like. They'll be in the studio, like trying to play. He's like, "Ah, oh, dude, that's close enough." And then let's just fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, I think I body count's speak. very. I think they're important. I think body count's very important for like, uh, like a crossover, getting people into metal that aren't into, you know, are more into hip hop and, and getting into, into metal and stuff like that. But that was um, pre, well, not pre. But I mean, like, I know the old, right very, metal the old stuff was... is very influential. I'm just talking about like them coming back and doing it now is kind of like yeah. still important. I think it's very like I was hanging out with uh on like backstage somewhere at a fucking it was an Ozfest. i don't even know but it was like coco and um and ice t just watching cannibal corpse and just being like just being like so down oh i think we lost that yeah but like uh just super into it and super like fuck i was like that's huge you know just like them even doing that and then fucking corpse grinder be like this one goes out to ice tea well, uh, right there public shit. enemy like, did uh uh yeah that's sorry wrong one you're yeah. thinking of run dmc but yeah, uh yeah, run, but the anthrax bringing... thing was a huge for me too like that helped get i mean i was into you know that anthrax was probably actually the first metal band i got into before mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, that was it. And it was because of the rap crossover. And I was a little kid yep. listening to rap music. I've yep. noticed something that, like, back when I was a teenager, metal was, a, you know, even through, like, the early 2000s, was a very cringy thing that no one outside of the metal scene, no one cool thought it was okay to be into metal, like, at all. Yeah. And 
nowadays I'm I'm seeing like the last decade or so suddenly it's a very okay thing to be you know yeah like, especially I mean, amongst young kids they just it's not like a weird genre to them at all I'm 37 yeah. and I know what you're talking about dude where there was this divide when we were kids mm -hmm. and I was I was the kid like you that liked both sides of it but I couldn't like voice that because if you weren't into rap then you're a rocker and vice versa. They didn't want yeah. you, you, yeah, know, separate no, you, no peanut butter and chocolate mix type deal. It's like yeah, one yeah. or the other. And so it's, but for me, it was these like crossover things that like started making me feel like, Oh, now like all the shit that I like is starting to like meld together. And now it's starting to be okay. Yeah. And, and, it's just two they're both aggressive styles of music you know and you growing up in oakland like and me growing up in the bay like there's it's it's hard to not hear a bunch of good hip-hop when you live right. in the bay area you know and and i i succumb to it and i love it still to this day you know when you when you mentioned be legit earlier I'm like, dude, that dude was right next door to you. Like, I grew up on the click, you know? It's like, did you get, did you meet him? No, I've never met him, but I'm just saying, like, no, I meant like at the studio. He was there. I mean, he literally was in that studio almost what, every dude, day that we were there. That's, that's crazy. And, and just hearing about the click, not hearing about the click, but just growing up on the click and be legit, E40, all that stuff was like, you can't get away from that in the Bay Area. So, you can't get away from E40 now because of sports. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the Warriors and shit. He's, yeah. he's sidelined. Yeah, at all every the big game. Warriors games. Yeah, that's what's Definitely. up, dude. He's representing, dude, and that's not just what Warriors, Forty the... Niners too. Okay, that's, like, that's what the Bay is all about, dude. Is like, and they zoom they're... in on him. Like the, the 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 national broadcast will zoom in on him, just hanging out, going like, yeah, with his like gold glasses and stuff, and it'll just be like, what's up? What's yeah. You know, like, okay, there's mm -hmm. a national uh, musician of E40 in the front. You know, like. It gets like, yeah. Anyway, it's super cool. I don't really know. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the the Bay Area vibe has been pushed out into the world by those guys. So I'm always down with the the hip hop shit. But that that's cool to hear that you were doing the kind of like the same thing just a few years earlier, like getting into the hip hop. Crossover got you, and in the, the crossover happened. Like so, and I know there's people that don't like us talking about this but whatever dude what about the Actually, new metal what about I know, the new one metal thing, phase well, i know Before, i was okay go, go ahead go and do it i was just gonna say like because you're such an honest person and how you talk about music if you were to talk to someone that was pushed back on metal and talking negative about it like um with your attitude towards everything which has no filter and just kind of like exactly like logical this is what i think how would you explain metal to someone that wasn't into it <laughs> That sounds like a newlywed game question. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like, uh, I think it's a White Claw game. I think I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know. Because I probably got into it because of the weird classical influence of it, probably. In retrospect, that was probably yeah. what drew me to that mechanic. I don't, I never really cared what, like, <laughs> sounds that sounded good to me. Yeah, like drew me into it. So I, I can't really break that down too easily, I guess. But you were about to ask about, I think, like, what about new metal? What about new yeah, metal? Yeah, yeah, let's because go to new metal. New metal, I felt like I was into what new metal became way before it was a 
new metal and by the time it was new metal i wasn't as into it i guess yeah i mean i was a huge anthrax fan growing up like Mm -hmm. that is essentially like the early rap metal stuff that existed Mm -hmm. and then you know i i definitely didn't hate it or really gravitate to it too much i got to record not enough of it and when i do get to record new metal sounding stuff i do really enjoy it we were just talking about band practice today about how like everybody hates on limp biscuit yet limp biscuit to this day will put on incredible live shows and have an amazing guitarist and amazing drummer that make for like yeah, really good shows. And, yeah yeah and like say what you want but like that band absolutely fucks live and there's no like there's plenty of bands from new metal that people cringed about forever, and it just doesn't make sense. And you watch the train wreck. You watch the train wreck. Yeah, I watched it. Oh yeah, Dude, yeah. I, just, I'm almost I loved how they framed like... as entirely Fred's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even yeah, though yeah, that uh, Red, Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers came out at the very end and said, uh, and they they did the song "Light My Fire." <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <laughs> while there's fires, and they're like trying to talk everyone out of like starting the fire yeah, but flea's a national treasure and fred durst isn't yeah 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 that's really what totally. it is that's and maybe a, deservedly so but like flea's what? got a dis- decent hog dude after you watch <laughs> this dude you can catch know, a couple a... of frames of uh i mean they played a bunch of shows basically flaccid, fully dude. nude in the 80s like that, the whole band used to do that and then he just kind of that was almost like a throwback show for them i remember him doing the full nudity nudity they like sock thing he used to do a sock, sock thing yeah, the yeah. socks fell off, man. Like they, <laughs> they're socks. They don't stay on. It's they're wild ass. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I re- I rewinded it a couple times because I saw the. You rewinded. The... <laughs> yeah, dude. I you see the cord, like as they finally go off on, after the encore, you see the cord. It grabs it and lifts it up a little bit after. <laughs> I love that. Alcohol is the funniest thing ever. Um, I that, remember like the same thing. I, around found, the, I was watching it sober though. So what did that? Where did it? Why no, just bringing it up now. Bringing it up now. I was talking to to Trevor when it happened. I'm like, Trevor was on his phone, and I was like, Damn, a guy's got a fucking hammer, dude. And like see, Trevor looked up like right see? as he left. <laughs> you mean back in '99? Were you watching? I remember watching Woodstock '99. I thought oh, yeah. the funniest thing about the documentaries they didn't mention like they just didn't literally omitted some of the biggest bands that played it. Totally. Like no, that, they, that for, was, that they didn't mention the Metallica show. They yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't meant to be, I guess, a doc. I, I, it was about an older it being one. a disaster. There's an HBO yeah, one that they, exactly, they went into more depth. I like that, that HBO one. Yeah, it was better. I, I mean, this one was more tragic, and they made you feel it yeah. more. But uh, going I mean, into it, like, was it was a tragedy. Tragic, it was. It was a tragedy. <laughs> it was definitely but, a tragedy. But also the, <laughs> mostly because of, of the rapes. Y- yeah, I don't yes. care about the fires and stuff. But no, I mean, me too. The culture Damn. that was like seemingly yeah. intentionally. The the idea like my favorite part about those documentaries they've been doing is they'll bring on the bad guy, and just mm-hmm. like set them up to think that they're like just doing a normal. They're like, hey, we're gonna let you tell your side of the story. They're like, cool, yep. I'm gonna tell my side of the story. It's all Fred Durst's fault, and like <laughs> this guy just looks like a complete. He looks like an evil villain the whole documentary like, like no, kind of sounds like you booked a bunch of aggressive bands <laughs> yeah didn't hire enough security put every jacked up the prices on water by selling off all your concessions yeah yep. and then basically had no infrastructure in place to protect people for security yeah how are they yeah. not gonna play the most popular song at the time break stuff yeah. dude you know like they're gonna play that song 
regard, they're going to enjoy it too. They're playing to the biggest crowd they've ever played. They're like all like the, the bands there. The first night was like corn, and then it was like yeah, yeah. Bush after corn or something. Yeah, there was there was a bunch of like I mean, fucking Jewel oh, cool. played and shit. But I mean, the thing yeah, is, but I mean, the one first thing, night, actually, yeah. one thing I will call out, and this might piss people off. I think uh -oh. if that were to take place in California, I don't think that would have happened. I think no, it was the no, East Coast. Absolutely not. The East Coast, <laughs> the, the the bro East Coast thing was going on on top of the Limp Biscuit, like macho kind of like thing that like all it was. Num they were the number one band in the world at the time. So we're talking about the number one most popular music that was available, and then bringing that in with like the fucking not to say Jersey Shore to, to pre Jersey to, like, Shore, <laughs> yeah, pre Jersey Shore kind of attitude of just like kind of like fuck it, I do whatever I want and. You know, frat and boy, pouring a bunch water of frat on boy. people and being—it was like a little, Mentality. yeah, frat boy, frat, total frat boy. Um, it was I, the I feel frat like, boy culture, yeah, yeah. And I feel like the, the, that, the East Coast just kind of was more. Obviously, they're they're just more aggressive in general. So like that whole like fuck it, we're getting fucked over attitude um, is what yeah. led to the I mean, whole... what, third day. It was fourteen dollar bottles of water, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's fucked up. Fourteen dollar. I just love the people that were like, water. I can't believe they're burning the place down. It's like you, you hear about everything up to burn the place down. You hear that one chick? She's like, Yeah. As I was going home, I I had sores all in my mouth and on my lips because of drinking trench mouth. She was drinking yeah. poo poo water, dude. Yeah. There's Jeez. so many crimes committed by the owners. So by many. The, yeah. People, the, mud, the, mud, the, mud, the mud fights and all that shit, they didn't realize that they were just rolling around in sewage. It's funny. I like that part. That was the funny part, too, because <laughs> I was like, fuck these, like, heat, like, fucking idiots. And they're like, fuck yeah, mud. And they're like, they're just going in poop. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, I don't know. Because, I mean, it's <laughs> fucked up that the, the plumbing was fucked up. But, I mean, at the same time, like, the, the guys that want to eat mud and do shit like that, I'm like, cool, this Oof. is your uh, karma. Well, this is the thing. You put a quarter million of quarter million people in one yeah. space, and it doesn't stay chill. It's gonna get crazy, dude. It's like a lack you of know? security. You, if you they have water, like everything yeah, is yeah. available the whole weekend and all that shit, then things probably would have been different. But like humans, they get crazy. And firefighters, dude. the firefighters didn't want to even come in. They're like, "Oh, it's burning. Like we're gonna wait till it calms well, down." And I'm not I've condoning the, their behavior. I'm just saying, like, that's already well, I a think recipe for disaster. mob mentality. Mob I think mentality. Also when you get to, like, a certain amount of people, it becomes really sketched to, like... Mob, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I mean, I, I've been to some, to some shows up in San Bernardino, like, in Iron Maiden and Ozfest and stuff, like, years back, that there's, like, crazy fire, like, burning plastic, and the, the people are running around these fires, and they're, like, all over the place, dude. And it gets like nuts, and I was like really sketched, and people like almost fighting, and like this dude like trying to fight like my uh, my my friend's dad or, or my my student's dad, like whatever, like families and stuff, and he's like, dude, dude, like you're like bumping into my daughter and stuff, like what you know, just not chill, you know? Yeah, just it's like so, and I I remember being sketched out when the crowd gets like, shit, dude, we're like above thirty thousand people like around that 25 30,000 mark it starts to get gnarly and that mm -hmm. shit was like how many people were that shit that the, the us i mean uh the, it's like a quarter million probably right quarter million. The we're being, we're yeah, being dude, checked like we're being nuts. checked in the chat right now and i'm actually agreeing with the chat dude we mentioned jersey shore frat boys it's they came from all over the place dude it wasn't just the east yeah. coast yeah mentality. i mean they did they did but let, let's say that like i mean if we want to say the equal amount of people like flew on planes to get there versus people that drove 
but it's know, just a, that it's just the you know that it's a mob mentality weird. it's the mob mentality like if like i feel like if there's people from california there with what people from whoever and it's beginning violent they're gonna rip shit down too with those people just being like fuck it you know what i mean heat de- dehydrated and on drugs for the last three days yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, gonna... I mean, even I remember them even asking like this girl that was there that was like kind of freaked out, and at the end, and she's being interviewed now, but she's also being interviewed back like on MTV, or just a random yeah. reporter, and she was like, they asked her, "Would you go back?" She's like, hundred percent. This is the best thing I've ever dealt with." But you know, like, cool. And she's like, "She was like, one riots. of the VJs from MTV. That's what they called him back then, VJ." Oh no, no, no. He's person. talking about concert goer. Yeah, yeah, it was a concert. Oh, just a ran- okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. She was the... like, "Fuck yeah, I would go back." And now she's all like, you know, she's like forty something now. I'm like, fuck, I brought- fuck that. Like, I wouldn't go. But at the time, though, she was like, "That was so much fun." It was like a, a let loose of whatever, and you know, all your energy, and you know, it was and when like you're a faced with when you're faced with it, like crazy shit, like you're gonna get a better story out of it than just mm-hmm. the boring shit in your life. So even though you at during the time being at Woodstock 99 you're faced with oh shit I might get hurt or fucking trampled or whatever you come out of it fine then then you have that story for life well there I mean Woodstock 2009 would not be or 2000 2009 99 Um, (laughs) would not be a story if they just fucking you know nowadays you go to like a like a sorry to keep bringing up sports but like a football game like there's security at every turn it's like you can't fuck around for a second like if you it makes enough money is the reason i mean that's really it like they were trying to woodstock 94 had 350,000 people at it it was fine it just didn't make money because they failed to like have a good gate they failed to like turn a profit so they're like hey let's try this one last a third time this yeah. time, without the destruction of the first one and without the lack of profit of the second one, and then corporate greed just took over. They're like, "Well, let's cut every corner possible." Well, the difference the between 90, 94 and ninety nine is that ninety four had like Cheryl Crow and like you know, like had like you sure, know, but it had like did, Green did, Day getting pelted with 90, mud. Yeah, yeah, and the offspring and stuff like that too, right? But I, I still think that the the aggression of like kid rock and stuff like that right. like definitely yeah. had this like hype behind it corn all, all the all these things like had this metal hype behind it of these yeah yeah definitely they they try to like hype it like that with like like the even well, less security 94 was a lot different than 99 like like music time it was like, like being, pearl jam being around back yeah. then it was like 94 was like yeah you know the 99 was like like fuck it paint my face like white you know yeah, they, like, eyes, like, they were like, over the yeah, yeah that's what it was. There was heavy performances at 94. No There's yeah. like Metallica and Nine Inch Nails that were like, yeah, and like I said, you know, there's the whole mud thing going on. In oh, was that the one that the Nine Inch Nails played at? It was all sick with the mud, yeah, was that 99. Yeah, that, that was, was 94. Really well, 94, okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying a lot of yeah. these, it's not like 94 wasn't aggressive, it was just a lot better put gotcha. together right. and it was yeah. a lot yeah. it was a lot better environment people weren't mad but, i really do think well, that mattered. yeah yeah but i think music, it's like culture wise people but, were pissed but new the, metal was a lot bigger in 99 than it was in 94 it existed in 94 exactly yeah. Yeah. That wasn't a genre. nine inch nails was way ahead of their time in the terms precursors of being like though that. like sepulchers sepulchers chaos ad that's a precursor in new metal i believe yeah machine roots is new metal yeah yeah roots is a new metal album but I'm yeah. saying not the my eyes, but like 
two records later, they like '99. They came out with a full. But I'm saying that's record. where it started bubbling up. Yes, you know, like, absolutely. Like yeah, Chaos AD. There's there's songs on there where you're a little like, well, Hatebreed took this as a as a blueprint for well, the whole shit. <laughs> KSD was one of my hardcore. ten favorite records as a kid. Like I started metalcore and hardcore. I thought with the breakdowns, so like the Chaos ID was kind of like they just did that normally, and that's I saw like Hatebreed did that later, and I mean a year later, and just like it's kind of bubbled up from the breakdowns came from Chaos ID. What, what uh, ten ton was it? Ten ton hammer is that? Yeah, the yeah. Machine that's from that, their that, second record. That, that second record. one is totally new metal but what i think the, the differences between the 94 and um 99 is that we're not talking about like oh there's a different style change and we're talking about these are bands that are on the top five most yeah. popular albums right now like this is like the people that are now have moved on from that like immediately because that wasn't the popular thing the next week they were there because that was the most popular thing with like their wife beaters and just like fuck yeah right. brother Let's go into fucking, you know, they just cared about the popular shit right then. And that was, that's what it was. And you get all the popular people together. Yeah. Yeah. When you get the popular uh, crowd involved with like an aggressive style of music, that's actually, I think that's a a recipe (laughs) for disaster. I think it's not, that doesn't work. You know, well, do you think if you had like a cold chamber show (laughs) or like an actual like straight up new metal band? Cause we're talking about like corn, slipknot. Limp Biscuit, these front runner bands, but there was like an entire genre of Spine actual, shank. like, yeah, 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 like exactly like new yeah. metal. That's what we are right from the get go bands. Cause I think Korn has some origins in their own thing, but like mm-hmm. n- the new metal from the start bands that were like their own thing were the new metal thing. I remember those shows having a lot of positivity to them, yeah, actually. Me too. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, they weren't like that far away from like insane clown posse type of vibe to like how people were reacting to it. But then like you said, it goes into the it what you're getting at is that aggressive mainstream music is where exactly. the danger is. Yeah. I kinda see what your point is, because then you're like hitting this audience that's just using it as an excuse to do things they already do but worse. Exactly. Right. Like let's go to a rock show and just fuck it up kind of like Under, underground guys, metal you know? hits like the regular veins but hitting the main artery that's where it's like getting but up are they hitting the... the mud veins oh Sorry. shit which by yeah, the way they they they're <laughs> they're back dude mud veins yeah, yeah. back i want to see what yeah. they're doing so there was that casey uh brand episode where he was like okay what would you say you're so zach you're a, a drummer that was into the new metal thing the, uh, both Anthony and this guy Casey Brand. <laughs> he wasn't in the new metal. Yeah, thing. look what you're talking about. But yeah, go on. <laughs> I mean, you you listen to it, right? You. I played in like it. a million genres of bands, and none of them have been particularly new metal. Well, fine. But would you? Yeah, what go would ahead. You say that? <laughs> <laughs> but what would you say? Like, because you're like a you know you know how to hit drums and stuff, right? Yeah. What would sorry. you say that like like they were saying that uh, Mudvayne's drumming was more interesting than Slipknot's drumming? I just I think Mudvayne's a more interesting band. Frankly, Ooh, but that's, I've never Everyone's been a Slipknot this. fan. Why you? So since last week, like... did you listen to LD Fifty since last week, dude? Uh, I didn't. Yeah, then why? Why aren't you coming prepared if you're gonna come bring that up again? I don't know. That was. I don't know. Was... Mudvayne, <laughs> Vonevane is way closer <laughs> to the kind of like Mudvayne's closer to like Primus to me than it is to like a stock untalented new metal band or something like they're right. very yeah. high they're almost tech you know 
Like, and so I, I enjoyed it. I thought their look was incredibly silly when I was younger, but now I'm like, in retrospect, I'm like, that makes sense for the time that, you know, I, I hated the era of new metal, but like musically looking at it, I don't have a big problem with it. And I never really did. <laughs> like I never yeah, yeah. used, I found some really interesting stuff about some of the music. Yeah, there yeah. are gems that still stick with me today. All I the think the other... worst part is bands that like went new metal to yeah. try to adapt. Like what Joel like, was saying, the Spine either, Shank. I can't know? remember the last time I listened to Spine Shank. Spine Shank was sick. Was it? I can't. It was, well, they were well, a roadrunner it's, it's like, band. In, it's an industrial band. It's industrial and industrial it's like Nine Inch Nails meets. It's like, it's like Fear Nails Factory meets... if they went new yeah, metal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I stand by saying. Actually, side note: Fear Factory. Yeah. Factory is definitely a proto new or proto. Am yeah, I using that word correctly? Proto. I, guess I mean, so. Fear, Fear Factory and Slipknot kind of had that more of aggressive take of. I think they're both considered at that time maybe new metal, but they had like a more like a more fast aggressive take on it. You know, is right. my surmising. Is that a word? <laughs> yeah. Fear Factory could be a silent contributor to like the gent shit too, right? Oh you yeah, think? definitely. Oh yeah. Definitely. Like everybody Meshuggah talks style. about Meshuggah, but I'm like, what up with Fear Factory, guys? Come on. Meshuggah. Like this... Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, Meshuggah is like easily one of the most influential bands on my life, but also like one of the few bands that I look at and look at their little progression, their career, and what happened with them early on. And it's something like it seems almost alien what they came up with, and yeah. I don't think they get enough credit for how interesting the Nun EP is and what an evolution it is in music to that yep. point. Because it's like taking crazy jazz fusion techniques and completely changing them and inventing a genre of metal. Yeah, that no one wanted to hear. <laughs> That's the best Definitely. part. Like they're just inventing this thing now. We were talking earlier about like music technologies, and I was thinking about how there's been an AI thing generating new Arcspire music 24 <laughs> hours a day on YouTube for like three years now. What? Yeah, there's like What's a that? live how, how stream. Do you, how do you get to it? How do you get to it? Uh, just Google this it. Arcspire it's, AI. Sure, you'll find it. I assure you. And it's just funny because <laughs> I, I'm just using that to point out that everybody in the art community right now is freaking out at ai still alive it's still alive jesus oh yeah it's definitely still alive <laughs> I, I you can leave it playing at like your starbucks if you want to for 24 hours a day but <laughs> that's fucking hilarious the but you know you, ai art is like absolutely artists are freaking out one way or another about it because they're like well I, I what is this shit i can't be replaced by artificial intelligence like listen we're way past that right now like we're <laughs> at the stage where you just need to learn to work with this not against it because yeah you've already lost the whole we shouldn't do ai art thing and that's where i'm getting at is that like ai music is already a thing there's a there's some website that just can generate mashuga songs is the idea <laughs> and you just write in parameters to it and that's it's been around for like a decade and they've I'm saying the evolutions of that kind of thing where you just like press a button and it'll generate your next like Nicki Minaj song. And that's, I could see that being an engineer in not too long from now, me pressing a series of buttons to generate entire 
compositions. Yeah, how can you really attach yourself to something like that? You know, I mean, like, if you don't no, you know, can. if you don't know it's AI. Yeah, that's you what I'm saying. You have to understand. I'm saying you want to learn to work with tools, not against them. That's all I'm getting at here. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, as a side thing where you're just an anonymous artist, not even Do an you artist. See this really. comment in the chat about how there was apparently an AI rapper that signed to a major label. <laughs> all these I mean, I'm not joking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's getting more and more. So, yeah. wait, I got to hear this AI rapper, dude. Does he spit fire or what, dude? Yeah. Whatever you want him to spit. I know no. what they're talking about. I saw this story. They, they... So that means the voice is fake, too. You got a it's link like here, too, if you need to check it out. Yeah, there you go. Dude, so, but that's the thing. It's like, it, it doesn't spit whatever you want it to spit. It, you just, like, set the code and then, boom, set, let Everything's AI different. finish figuring like for example so it's not like the first it, time the first time i ever heard of this was this shredding the virus tour that we were sponsoring the artwork for their flyer was an ai generated mm -hmm. artwork and i had never heard of that before the episode i didn't divulge it maybe i did but i was just like wow dude this is a real thing now like you can just like beep boop beep boop beep 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 boop boop and yeah, yeah i'm working on a project where they had the AI art, they're like, when we want to mock up a concept of something, we'll type it into the AI art thing, yep. and then our house artist then takes that, chooses from a bunch of stuff, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to work with this and kind of, you know, add a bit of a human touch to this and, like, meld it to exactly what we want to be, and it saves us a ton of time. I'm like, that's happening right now. Just imagine just a few years from now. We don't even have quantum computing yeah, yeah. yet. Which is oh, going to yeah. be this giant leap forward in speed that this Insane. stuff can happen. That, I mean, you just can't... The one thing you don't want to do is be like, don't worry, everything's going to be the same as it is right now forever, and I'll never be replaced by a machine. Exponential. Like, no. We're way <laughs> past you're going to be replaced by a machine. We're at the point where it's like, how do I work with the machine? It's inevitable. When is it coming? It's here. <sighs> Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Quickly, For you individually, you're like, and it's inevitable now with the way the that work, it is. It's just like... In both cases, the reason I think people shouldn't be scared so much of it is that it's art. It's like this human subjective thing. There's not a particularly perfect way to do it. Yeah. The thing he brought up, the AI rap thing, that... <laughs> I could really see that working. Like, that's something that I could see generating. What I don't see generating is like... Well, whatever. I don't want to. I'm gonna I was going to say this is going to get dated dude. real fast when they. Dude, you're talking to dated dudes though. Rock bro. records. I'm only a few years behind you, dude. Like we're dated. But rap, too, bro. That's what what Zach is saying. I mean, like they're going to learn like the inflections of like all the mumble rap stuff. The like mm -hmm. all the people that have just been like making a career have been like kind of like lazy, but like being popular. Like they're going to be like, okay, that's easy. Boom, whatever song you want. Boom. And I'm anti go. that. I'm anti the easy. Like, but for how example, will you know though? The newest, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will. I would enough. know just for being a seasoned like listener. Like, you would tell human <laughs> lyricism and poetry. Me and Zach versus... know that you're not going to be able to know pretty soon. <laughs> like, it's All getting right, so, it's getting to the Zach, point where it's like. Bananas. So you think that yeah. like AI can produce another Eminem or Mike Nine? Or Aesop Rock, like those no. types of dudes. I think the answer maybe. to that is an easy yes, and the question is when. But like, it might be not that easy. Like, because music, I haven't heard AI generate music that sounds like 
hasn't really sounded like art yet. Like, for example, we've done, like, I said, there's the Arcspire thing yeah, generating playing Arcspire in my headphones songs. right now. <laughs> oh, it is? Okay. So that, I mean, that's, but, I mean, no one would miss. But I'm you trying to think, oh, that's cute, rapper. but, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, lyrics might be the easiest thing it could generate. We already have AI generating entire, like, books of things. So that's not an issue. The that's issue would be, can you heart, make it dude. into a voice that people connect with? That's a really big deal. I mean, are you going to tell me that Chris Carnell could be AI? Are you going to tell me that, like, Jimi yeah. Hendrix's guitar playing could be AI? That's way yeah. off, I think. I don't know that, though, so that's why I'm saying be prepared. Yeah. Be prepared. Yeah. This is why... I'm going to do a shout-out real quick to Mike and Nine. I mentioned Mike and Nine, and I, I wanted to bring up his book in this because I'm like, he just came out with a new book. It's called My Kaleidoscope. Shout-out to Parker Pubs for putting it out. This dude is the California lyricist for me, dude. Like, you read this guy's raps, and it's poetry. And I just, I refuse to believe that AI can put it together like this, dude. But maybe I can be wrong in the next 10 years. But Well, like what Zach's saying is like there's creative things that can be different that haven't been done before that we could blow everyone's mind where the AI can't catch on to it. But then the AI will just learn from it and just make it way sicker. I know, dude. That's so the only thing I'm Don't let about. AI like, get a hold of Micah 9 shit because then they're just going to fucking... No, yeah. don't let AI Run get hold of our nuclear weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, or actually, let's, let's keep stop. this basic here. We should probably stop AI right now. I think it's probably a good idea. I mean, I've seen Terminator, Terminator one and two enough times to like know that's not a good idea. But um, I mean, and yet and, and we're knowing, basically doing it. I know, I know, and it's money. So it's like I remember uh, when, like you know, this is like an old Duncan Trussell stand-up bit when me and uh, Anthony saw him back in San Francisco. He was like, he's like. This is a while ago. It's like 2014 or 15, Something maybe back in the yeah, day. Yeah, dude, yeah. And he was talking about like uh, how e- like Elon Musk at the time wasn't like a that big of a well-known name, but he was like Elon Musk just put a hundred million dollars to make sure that to start a committee to make sure AI doesn't get out of control. And I was like, right. ooh, that's that's some fucking Miles Dyson like Terminator Two shit. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck, that's scary right that scared me right there it was a comic he knows it's coming so much yeah that he, <laughs> no, no. not much money to try and stop it that's why i'm having making kids i'm laughing but i'm like seriously like no like, i don't want anything to do with having kids like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's this like this it's an absolutely terrifying landscape but i mean yeah. people thought that in the 60s and i mean i guess maybe they're right because it is a bleak terrible world but like i'm just saying like it's not it's always to give me a new set of challenges until yep. the whole planet explodes, which is an indefinite possibility. What if it's just we got technology close enough to human intelligence that we're now starting to be threatened by it? What if we're, you think it's, it's just way that? smarter than us in many ways and we're smarter than it in other ways? Yeah. Well, it's like not it's... smart enough to run shit yet, though. So it's like. Are you we sure still... about that? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but are you sure you're not it. being run by I'm it right not, now? Uh, I'm fucking run I'm by not. it right now, dude. I feel like the government. I mean, not, not to be like Which political, government? but like the. I know. I'm saying just like a government in general <laughs> and like how they're like swayed by things. If it's like a robot doing it, like it has yeah. no like financial interests, I don't know. It might be. Yeah. No, you're right. It's a little scary. <laughs> I don't know. Like, but Unless uh, you build financialist interest. Oh yeah, that could be a part of the AI too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fuck. AI is like, yeah, it's scary. It's a little scary. It sounds cool in the beginning. You're like, fuck yeah, dude. It's like helping us out and figuring a robot stuff out will for clean us. my house, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. And also so like, yeah, yeah. Clean out your family. Everybody rags on them, but self-driving <laughs> cars are extraordinarily more safe than human-driven ones. 
Yeah, yeah. nobody see, wants I... to be in that one car that crashes itself. And they're like, well, at least I, if I crash my own car and kill myself, that's fine. But if my car yeah. is that one, like, you know, the way less likely to happen car that crashes itself. So people are anti self-driving cars, but in their own, you know, it's not in their own self-interest. You should be pro it's your so car funny. driving itself, but you're like, you don't, you want to be responsible for your own safety yeah, for some yeah. reason, even ancient... though you're terrible at it. It's been an ancient, <laughs> like, desire for yeah. humans to have a car that will drive you around. Like, dude, imagine just being like, beep, boop, I'm going to fucking... Why are you imagining? You could get a self-driving car right now. I know, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, if you got the money, but I'm just saying. They're not that expensive. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's just, <laughs> like, becoming more and more a standard thing to have driving I actually want to, I want a self-driving, I want a self-flying car dude i just want yeah where's you know, our just... flying cars i know that's what they said in that's the future number I saw one the thing that i've been bothered by everything to... in the future yeah. is here everything we were supposed to get we got it yeah 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 but dude, we don't can... we don't have flying cars what could go wrong that's all i have to say <laughs> everything yeah literally what everything. no planes have crashed dude yeah yeah oh, people like are the... freaking out well... my town because there's a guy that drives around on this weird little like it's like a it's just a single wheel, and he has a helmet on. He goes like fifty, like through the tunnel yeah. and in the freeways. And he's just rolling, just like this oh, helmet, yeah. no pads, just like on a Damn. wheel. And everybody's like, "It's so dangerous. If I get in an accident and kill him, like I'm gonna, f like he's totally unprotected." And I just lost my fucking mind watching a bunch of people just get scared of something like basically xenophobic about because it it's like. Have you, okay, I, I you're not wrong that he's unprotected in an accident. He's obviously pretty good at riding it, and more yeah. importantly, he's surely consuming less resources. And also, yeah. there's no way that's more dangerous than a motorcycle. Straight up, yeah. motorcycles are so dangerous. So yeah. This looks about as dangerous, except he's not going to fly over handlebars. He's going to get immediately into a controlled roll every week or I crash and die. Sacramento area, and uh, people are cutting lanes all day. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter what size motorcycle they have, you know. But that's in California. But, that's legal. But in that's California. that's why it's a big part of why it's so dangerous because people ride like complete idiots. Actually, yeah. no, most of them. I'm saying, no matter how size yeah. their motorcycle is, these guys know how to get through the cars, dude. And I always like, move over huge, and I I, I, I do want that too, dude. I want the wave. Like, a lot of them give me the wave. I get the they, wave, dude. When they I don't give the me the wave. wave, I'm like, dude, you need to crash. <laughs> oh, I got like, I really know. mad about it. Here, there's like people. To, I go way over. I go way gear. over. I get like way over in the other lane. Anytime I see, I see you guys have coming, I give them space. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, dude, that must be scary to be fucking in between cutting lanes on a motorcycle, like, and you're just. And then you're like, good on you, dude. Fuck this traffic. Like, yeah, yeah. Get, you're taking the risk. I'm not. Get like, your you fucking get, you loophole, get a, dude. Yeah, you get a fast lane. You get like a fast lane. You're taking. You're you're putting your life in your hands to be at your home faster. You know what I mean? I, I'm I'm glad that you you seem to you guys seem to fully understand what I'm saying. This yeah. idea makes no sense to like 95 percent <laughs> of people. They're like, how how is it different from a motorcycle? I'm like, they're like, because motorcycles have been in my life my whole life. This yeah, guy yeah. riding around on his weird little electronic wheel thing that's really fast is very new, and all I see is danger. I'm like, it's still it's just, just different. a human on a device yeah. where they're unprotected going. If it I had that, different. if I had that, and then Joel pulled over, didn't he? The windows down. I would hope I had like a pack of Skittles to just throw in yeah, his car. Yeah, that'd like be fucking yeah, purple. You, oh yeah. 
Oh, dude, the the purple pack, hell yeah, 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 that's yeah. the best purple one. Pack. That's the best but I'm saying, like, like that's that's the way you just fucking you're just unloading your pockets into people's cars, just like thanks, dude. Well, it's like you know, like truckers, like when you're on tour, like there's a there's a code. The code is like, like they give you like a, a like a thank you for the the flashing of the backlights. It's like two blinks. Yeah. Like there's a whole code behind it. I I appreciate in that sense, it's like all right, we're doing it logically. So here, not only logically, we're acknowledging like, each other. We're all doing this, and we're trying. Yeah, we're we're, all, we're both trying to keep each other as safe as possible. Exactly. It's like, that's and then it. there's that one asshole that's like trying to fucking go through everything, and like, oh shit! Like I'm a I'm an offensive driver. I'm not defensive. I'm like trying to get away from the crazy people. Like when I see them, like I see them in the way back, like like going through multiple lanes. You know, so you're going to like Rockland. Rockland's got the widest highway highway in the United States. It's, it's eight or nine lanes and that used yeah. to be my fucking going home every day it was a nine lane highway <laughs> like it was in like just people just going like i'm gonna go nine lanes over here and like cut, yeah i'm gonna cut over insane. nine lanes how many times do, have i fucking seen that dude where it's sacramento's like, got the worst drivers in, i think in the united states i think it's been like over and over again that's like my insurance went just like through the roof i'm like hey you're going to sacramento oh well a hundred dollars more a month <laughs> like insane i will like, say though something that i am annoyed about with california driving is now the fast lane has become the slow lane dude yeah, yeah. there's so many people that get into the fast oh, lane yeah, that yeah, that yeah. don't want to fucking drive fast and i'm like dude even even cops are flying by at 75 80 like we all just yeah, agree yeah. that that's that's like this if if it's safe we'll get up to 80 how do the self-driving yeah. cars navigate that because like I feel like a lot of times I'm like driving. It's like this puzzle of like, okay, the person in the left lane's going like 60, and then the person over here is going, and then this guy's like coming up behind me, and then he's gonna cut me off to the right, so yeah. behind me on my right. So then I then he goes all fast, and then I'm like, okay, now there's an opening for like, how does the I actually have car um, navigate all that? I mean, that's a really good question because I actually have curious. you know that band of sure Eviscerate, the the singer of Eviscerate, he works for Tesla programming self-driving cars that's like his, mm -hmm. he's an engineer making the software for it and i had no idea wow. like yeah he was like i was just thought he was like a, <laughs> little do you know he's a thinker <laughs> and then we went out to go hang out later and he's like oh yeah i program i'm building the software for uh tesla and to for the self-driving cars and he said it wasn't there yet is what he what like overall it's not there yet but um he said it's pretty goddamn close and he's one of the leading guys doing it. He's just like this bearded death metal guy. <laughs> yeah, did just you like... hear about the horde of cars? And if you go around San Francisco, there's all these self-driving cabs. They're called like Wagos or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. see them drive. I saw them drive by the show we played like last month. I was like, what the hell is that thing with like, it's got like a crazy, you know, swirly thing up top. I, re I thought it was like one of those Google Maps cars, but it kept driving by. And then I realized it's just like literally waiting... It's like probably going to pick up a passenger and then coming back right. or whatever. But apparently there was some incident where they they huddled. They all drove to the same <laughs> spot and huddled together. And like were they like blocked traffic and no one knew. Like the programmers had to like, like shut why? them down. So, like I mean, the there are some weird yeah. things that are happening on these I was networks. Say, dude, they're like yeah. already talking to each other. Like, they just nah, wanted dude, to hang out. Yeah. 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 No, that's already a, that's like the AI uprising already. I get it. It's starting, dude. There's been concerns about certain AIs going sentient and all this stuff, but I mean, it's artificial, but it's also intelligence, dude. Yeah, you know? 
it is. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one half and the other. I mean, isn't it like intelligence always like wants to kind of like grow or I don't know, like condensed right. and grow? Yeah, yeah. you have to, you have totally, to set some man. sort of a that's what that's what the whole like point of like what kind of maybe Zach was getting with the sentient thing is like there's I yeah. think in programming these things, they're trying to keep like a, a cap on what when things get kind of out of hand, like all right, all right. Let's chill out. I'm trying to keep <laughs> keep it like dumb enough to where it can't just go crazy. Well, they they put an AI thing on Twitter. Remember that was a big story for a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was like an AI responding Twitter bot, and it was on yeah. there, and it and it just turned all violent and racist. <laughs> like <laughs> I swear to God, something like that. It was like I was, I was gonna say I'm <laughs> waiting for like the one drunk guy that gets into it and that. has has God. an argument with its AI driver. You know, like yeah, yeah. everybody gets in and has their drunk arguments with I'll send you the Uber and Lyft driving. You already, yeah, it's probably already out there, dude. Yeah, I hope yeah. you're thinking of Johnny wanna... Cabs from uh, First Fifth Element. Johnny, oh, Johnny, Cabs, uh, dude. right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking of oh no, uh, Short Circuit, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Five. Oh no, I'm talking Johnny about five. Johnny Cabs from uh, okay, okay, from uh, Fifth Element, which from basically uh, exists now. Crazy That's why Jesus. I'm... That was a flying car. What right? was the what was the cab? What was the cab from cab. Uh, Total cab. Recall? Yeah. Total Recall I had uh, I don't remember had some that. AI robot. Well, that was a, no, that was the dude, right? Who like tried no, to there was that Lebowski? guy, but there was also oh, yeah. the robot uh, driver too. Oh yeah, I can't remember what it was called. Oh, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. I see Troy. Hello, here. welcome so, to Johnny Cab. Johnny Total Recall. Oh, am oh, I in okay. the wrong movie? So I, I Johnny Cab is Total Recall, not and, and Troy is also a cab driver. He Shout was. out Troy Fullerton. Go check out he his. What he's uh, talking about, dude. Go check out his Twitch page. Severed Troy drums. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah, dude. That's funny though. That Troy shreds. I, I was on the wrong. Wrong. Old <laughs> well, movie. when you I said Johnny Cab, off. I was like, okay, wait. I've seen all the. I've seen Fifth Element. It could be there, but actually, it's not Johnny Five because Bruce Willis is the driver in Fifth Element. Oh, that's right. Well, if we're talking about Bruce Willis, his cab driver is named Argyle. Oh shit! Uh, with, the, with the with the head? Was that the one with like the head on? No, it? no, I'm talking about uh, uh shit. What's God? I'm Die Hard. From... Okay, Die okay, Hard. Die Hard. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Argyle's the guy who stays underground the whole time, chilling out, but eventually knocks out one of the bad guys. He's the cab driver. I've seen <laughs> Die Hard a lot. I just what another memory that's just random as shit and filth element. There, he's only allowed like five cigarettes a day, and oh, the yeah, right. the filters are like three seventy five percent, and you only get twenty five percent. I'm like, damn, dude, if you were a cigarette smoker and that's all you get, five of a day of that. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are, dude. Wow. <laughs> we're in the fifth it's element. Funny. That's weeds, like. A- dude. That's actually a really good association to like the true modern existence is shrinkflation. Yeah, shrinkflation. <laughs> it really is, dude. Shrinkflation is a real thing. I know it is the place all the time. I mean, I haven't, I've never heard that term, but that makes it automatically made sense to me. Like what you're saying, it's it's a real thing. Shrinkflation yeah, yeah. is a thing. Like, like the package of like genio turkey used to be a pound and a half then it was a pound 25 now yeah. it's a pound but they because they don't want to raise prices of things they it's just like little mini sodas or like the bag of chips that has all air in it it's all empty but like you yeah it's got like four i mean chips sometimes it. it's that and sometimes it's like the choice from the beginning but like yeah that that there's often products like that that choose to not make yeah. the box smaller or will just slightly make everything smaller yeah, dude. I noticed it's that about very cookies, common. dude. Cookies from my childhood are not the same today. 
Like a Vienna finger? That shit is smaller than it used to be, dude. Come on. Oh, really? It's <laughs> interesting. Smaller than <laughs> it is. Snickers are slightly smaller, like the standard size ones. Like that was one of the things. Well, they did, yeah, they, and Joel was getting onto it too with sodas. They they small made the eleven point two ounce sodas. I've definitely seen a lot of. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's Little cute cans. You're like, oh, they're cute. I'm gonna buy them because they're cute. But it's like the same price as they were like four years ago for like same a normal... or more, and it's yeah. like double price. Yeah, they what? always test this stuff. They decide what's gonna be. <laughs> What's a Vienna finger, bro? Come yeah, what's on. A, I don't know what a Vienna finger is. Yeah, I don't know what a Vienna finger is. Either. Yeah, you have to explain it now. Okay, it's, you're, it's you're just like, it's a it's actually a basic. I'm um, being an idiot. What? Uh, it was a basic cookie. It's just a vanilla cookie. It's. Oh, I thought it was I was looking through the said. chat. I thought someone said, called you that in the chat. I was like, who, it's, who the fuck if you me? if you take an oh, Oreo, okay. make it's every make. Yeah, you oh, make the you make the Oreo vanilla cookie or sugar cookie, oh, yeah. and you okay. elongate it instead of being a circle. Those are the That's cookies it. I didn't like as a kid that would get fed to us all the time. Yeah, so they're just That's plain vanilla. On, but then I just recently had one. And I'm like, this this shit isn't the same, dude. So, cookies, I guess they're making me want cookies, dude. Cookies are. I know. I have. I just bought a bunch of cookies. They probably um, took the trans fats out. Of them too. But uh, <laughs> dude, it's all about but, uh, those cookies that Joel got. That you got me into those. That are all like have like no everything in them, and then like at the bottom, no everything. It's like, dude. Well, it's like you know, no dairy, no gluten, no this, da, 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 da. and then oh, it's okay. like no, and it's all no fish, no meat, like no. They got no, like no horns or something, like no, 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 no horns. Like, I, well, I think no you, bones. You, you requested yeah, like, some sort of. Oh, you requested like a non yeah, something. Yeah, there's so. And I ordered. Some, I ordered them yeah. from a, from that store, the chicken place. Okay, I got. I don't. No details. But. uh... <laughs> But uh, I know it's a vegan chicken place. But uh, bringing it back on subject, Zach. So, hmm. what's sick drummer's been in here for a while? So, oh. do you have a new drummer that's like blowing your mind out there? Like a new one that's kind of like you know, Mashuga was a big thing, and a lot of things have you know taken things in another level. Is there one that's like kind of more recent that's kind of like taking it up a notch, or is it kind of just stagnant? Kenny from Imperial Triumphant. All right, that's Jesus. Fine. All right, dude. I'm trying. I'm trying to like name this, but like I don't know if you're referring to like if people I'm working with or if you're talking about like just overall. Overall. Drummers. Overall, just you being a, a music listener. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could. I don't know if that's a yes because I don't. I do think there's a lot of really great drummers around, like all over the place. I think what's really more noticeable is the baseline level of like. I don't know. You guys might totally disagree with this. I'm sure Casey has good insight into this. I swear to God, it's incredible how much better every young drummer is right now yeah, than yeah. they were 20 years ago. There's this weird thing where I don't know if it's how early childhood education thing that's happening yeah. or if it's computers or what it is. Yeah, it's all but that. Guys are like growing up playing just exceptionally better on guitar, bass, and drums. And it's everybody's kind of... singing worse and worse. But <laughs> so the guitar, <laughs> bass, and drums, everybody's so bad. And then when I, in the 80s and 90s, when I'd see, and even like early 2000s, I'd record bands that like just couldn't play. And like, it feels like everybody these days just knows how to, learns how to play. Yeah. With so many better young musicians that are just like, ready to go. Like, oh, I can play 
these very elaborate things. Oh, I can play Bleed by Meshuggah. It's no problem. I grew up on it. And that's what I really think it is. Yeah, it's like, that's what it is. They grew up on much more difficult to play music. They started their baseline to start on yeah. something was like insane. Like it was like yeah. the most insane thing we ever heard. That's what they started. Even if with. we just did like, even if we go real bass, like go more mainstream, like Slipknot would be really hard. It's very challenging drum wise or something like that. Better Mudvayne, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. The <laughs> wait. Did you just call them the Better Mudvayne? <laughs> How are those bands related? Even they don't. Sound I said the drummer like... was better than Mudvayne. I was okay, trying to get back okay, at okay. Anthony early. Yeah, no, yeah, sure. Why? Why is that I a competition? That. I'm just because it's you funny. Listen to it yet? I think it's funny. Sorry, it? Jeez, right. yeah, it's so funny. I mean, I like laughing. A, I work with a ton of great drummers, and I've seen a bunch of really great drummers. But like, yeah, nothing's like. I feel like you're asking like, what's this monolithic change drummer? I don't know if I've seen anything quite like that. that yeah, like, like a game changer. That's like like a game changer that changed your mind back when you were twenty something. Like. To this day, yeah. you haven't seen something that's like really just changed everything for you. No, not like yeah. that. But like, I've seen plenty of stuff that's like just totally wild and Insane. like would never be thought of. I don't know if you guys saw Polyphia put out a new song that's a pop song, and I thought that I was saw like... Polyphia a couple. Did you go to that show? It was at a, no, at a Regency. It. it was like sold out, and there was no metal people there at all. It was all like people that yeah. were just like, yeah. Why would nothing... it be metal? It's not a metal band. I mean, uh, maybe metal musicians were showing up there. I maybe, totally like... get what you're saying. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. yeah. That's what I thought was funny about this. That's what I'm. That's yeah. what I'm finding more incredible because I've always thought, man, like we were just talking about this. Would does tech death hit hit literal mainstream and how so? And then I saw that the other day. Okay, but I saw that the other day. I'm like, this is gonna be wildly successful. This song absolutely. Oh, the people are gonna. One? get weird people are gonna get weirded out by it by like there being but, vocals on it but it's like yeah this well, entire concept written is for gonna work pop. it's written yes for it pop. is it's, it's it's totally like people are are people are going like people are yelling yeah, that, the riffs you're talking out about like, that goat song yeah. right like, not even, no, not even no, the goat not. song not even the goat no, song. no i'm I mean, saying that he, song is like kind of like where they trying to that wasn't even the loudest right. song that they played like as far as the crowd response like what what he's even talking about like bringing i'm talking about the song they had a guest singer yeah they had a singer on it. it's like yeah. a pop a pop track artist. that yeah. was really well produced and put together and i was like this is gonna this works and like the musicianship in it it's at that kind of it's got a lot of that tech death influence in it and i'm like this yeah. is interesting to hear them do this i see a lot of people like probably are just like cringing at like oh but like nah, nah, don't it's do that to so us but it's like it'll happen to any i've just been waiting for it because like every underground genre has its like time in the sun of where it's gonna suddenly become a big thing and it's or like that's a like pop... that's a swing but yeah. somebody else is going to hit a home run, like, That's or they saying. are. They yeah. are, or somebody's going to, at some point, really get some of these sounds and really we'll take pop an them up and it. put them mainstream. That's yeah, we'll take really an interesting. We'll take, an, we'll take an aspect of that, like a style like that, and they'll just make it like, okay, we'll refine it and make it like catchier for the masses. That's what, that's to me, well, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Polyphia just nailed it. Like, they sold out and their whole sick. tour. Their whole tour was sold out. Like it was like I think that's great. In that, advance. That, uh, yeah, yeah. That would I was be like, cool for like people to deconstruct and go backwards into like from yeah. the pop realm and end Dude. up back into the underground because of that. It's, no it idea. opened up a portal for 
the mainstream the, the opening band anthony I, I actually wanted to talk to you or like uh relay this just like explain this to you because i was so confused about what polyphia brought out this band from australia and it was like the backstreet boys with like with like paul gilbert on each guitar <laughs> well that's what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah yeah i was like what and they're like they're like <laughs> and i was like what the fuck is going on right i was like and people and these wow. and they were children on stage by the way they're there's there's no way they're above 19 or 21 years old they're children mm-hmm. on there shredding they're taking that polyphia style they're obviously sounding exactly like polyphia and all the riffs but they're singing while they're doing the same uh, same thing there's like people there with like sublime shirts going like just like in it's it's it was my brain was just like what the fuck i was like i was trying to like put it all together and i i was like this is such a new thing and i, I remember i posted a story and i was like they're gonna be like in arenas next time i see him i think polyphia is gonna be an arena next time i, I, see I that's exactly how I, that was yeah. like how i was feeling about this i'm like this has a real chance that i actually really didn't like where they were going with the like the last couple of records and i mm-hmm. saw this i was like i'm still not sure I I'm not sure this is gonna be something for me in general forever. Yeah. But this is gonna work. This here is gonna work. Yeah. We already yeah. know like I mean Tim's gonna been doing hip hop stuff for a while and like yeah. getting production stuff, but I meant like them as Polivia could actually become Humongous. That's cool. I'm probably and I, or we're wrong and this is just gonna yeah, fall yeah. its face. But Fade like out. I'm just saying, like I did I saw that and I was like Okay. What's next? Where's this evolved to? Where? Yeah, what's the next band? Yeah. It's like you know, I'm just like, is Deeds of Flesh gonna suddenly go and <laughs> yeah, like? I don't know about that. Suddenly, but... like, put out a song that's gonna get you know, five billion plays, like Despacito or something, and like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, what's the weird evolution? Because someday something always happens from every genre, ever. Totally. Like yeah. pretty much, there's been like. You know, you look around. There's been like some huge hits. That make I saw the way I saw the the direction Polyphia was going, and I got what they were doing. It was kind of this kind of it was very catchy but technical, and they're mm-hmm. they they just had this kind of vibe to them that was kind of made you do this to it. It's kind of the same thing about um, Animals as Leaders. They you know they opened for right. Decrepit yeah. when we toured with them, and like back in the day, and I was like, everyone was there early for them, and I, I remember like um, hanging out after them, being like, you guys are gonna be the fucking biggest band like i could just tell you guys this is your first tour i think at the time and um everyone was there like packing in early to see them mm-hmm. and i was like and they just want to see and they were all doing the same head motion and they all like had this thing this like kind of like a virus that they got you know what i mean and, it, not, and a, a good virus i'm not saying it was bad but uh yeah their yeah. debut record was amazing absolutely like i remember hearing dad be like Okay, this is different. This this strikes me as very interesting, different. I was bothered. I was like, okay, the production's really fake. These drums aren't real. I want to see where this evolves to. And then Naveen joins up, and I see them live opening for Vale of Maya like, like a year Whoa. later. And I'm like, yeah, this is just gonna go. This is gonna work. Like this isn't gonna just like flash and fade away. This band's gonna actually continue to be a successful instrumental technical metal band i don't know what yeah, i would yeah. call them because they yeah. really Everything. went away from metal for a while and then their most recent record i'd say is really heavy and really and good sh- I mean, shout out to tosin he's uh, actually went yeah. to the at the airport recently and i saw the new guitar world is tosin and fucking joe satriani on the cover yeah like, i saw that one it's like yeah it's like literally 
he is like a legend. He's like it's like Tosin, Joe Satriani, Paul Gilbert, Steve Vai. You know, it's like Dump Shushi. It's like the Ingve Malmstein. Like those are like the guys now. You know, yeah. for the shred stuff. You know, and it's really cool to like see like that kind of like new school kind of you know like a uh, player be in the ranks with those. Even though like I don't really like listening to their music. I think you're. Vai, but I mean, as far as you like, and me were. Them, we're doing it from our age. Like, that's not yeah. new. Like, Tosin's, yeah, yeah. like, probably at least in his mid to late 30s. I'm just I was going to say, there. seeing him with Reflux was when yeah. I already knew oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that dude was going to be We're something. just old enough that the legends are younger than us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. really what it is, this is. It's not... Yeah, yeah. Let's be real about this. It's not that it's weird that he's next to Satriani. It's weird that Satriani is still relevant <laughs> at his age. That's really what this is. That is... <laughs> Yeah, but I'm holding him on high regard because of my childhood. You should. No, yeah, we yeah. should. I'm I'm saying that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, but, yeah, yeah. It's not weird. It's like, if anything, it's weird. It'd be more weird if it's like a 20 year old. Yeah, there are yeah. A few in yeah. the guitar scene that are like huge prodigy young players and in yeah. drums. Definitely, definitely. Have you guys seen that band? Uh, shit, I'm gonna Hammerhead before. Uh uh-uh. uh. I've heard of them. Yeah, they're like this. They were a, well, they are. They're a thrash band of three brothers. They kind of they sound somewhere between like early Sepultura and Meshuga, but yeah. they were like eleven, twelve, and fourteen when like they started like having YouTube videos get really popular. Yeah. And I saw this band. I was like, I think this band might be the top of the list of bands I want to work with. Just because Definitely. I was like, this would be really, really interesting to work with, like literal children that are putting out like yeah. really yeah, yeah I know exactly good, yeah, like they're very tight and good, and like now they're just it's somehow it's aged well, like they've been putting out like music now, and they're I'm like, wait, this is literally like an early high school band. They're gonna be if they stay together, like they're basically the gent thrash metal Hanson. which i guess is also pantera so sorry (laughs) sorry sorry abbott brothers but yeah and also too like polyphia played played a pantera song in the middle of their set the other night (laughs) they uh played domination i'm sure they can pull off i mean that was yeah that's like because they're doing like the multi i don't know anyways they're insane it's it makes me angry how good polyphia is on guitar I'm like, I tried to learn. I learned goat once for like a day, and I was like, <laughs> Jesus, like this is not. It's just a different style of approaching guitar, and that's they're doing. Like we talked about with AI earlier, they're they're doing something new. They're like trying a different style. Yeah. With well, that's what led me to others. talking about them. Is I was just like, what? Yeah. Every time people think that something can't evolve, that's why I was like, I'm like trying to think of this drummer question. I'm like, well, what's not just the people we already think of and like would name their really great drummers but like what's the next forefront of drums that's gonna actually everybody's drum solos yeah i'm sorry they're all they're all essentially been the same thing since buddy rich it's like they're not really that different in concept so then there's like how are you gonna write i i don't know i i'm sure everything evolves new beats kind of change and have you listened to leprous at all not to, not to go down to, I know we're no. getting pretty late, but uh, the drummer Bard from Leprous is, he's one of those like kind of uh, hyper styles, like Naveen kind of playing, but like a different 
version of it, kind of uh, more like a prog version, like a prog tech version of Naveen. Because Naveen's like feel. Like Naveen, does, it's funny because right. you know Absolutely. Naveen was like has no idea what he's doing. Like he just knows how to make. That's what, that's what he tells me. He's like, no, I don't know no, what I'm doing. I think yeah. that's accurate. I've seen how Naveen yeah. works. I mean, we work together a lot. And you just so understand. I would say Naveen, no, but we're going back to what I was just talking about. Naveen was yeah. 15 when I met him, and he was yeah. also the first drummer that I ever saw play Bass Beats. I okay. think those are, that's what I'm saying. What are we going to see that's going to be the 15-year-old kid next that we're like, like the what next the Naveen. fuck is this yeah, kid yeah. doing? What drums did he pull from? Because in Naveen's case, he's pulling really chop stuff and... I mean, I mean, there's a lot of influences like going on there. Stuff. Primus yeah, and yeah. all sorts of little things, and then like di- lots of dying fetus. But like, it's like a yeah. weird thing that made his kind of style. But I see lots of people. That style's not that weird anymore. Mm-hmm. But something's th- things come along now and again that are just like really weird, and I can't visualize it or think of it right now with that. Definitely. And you made really good examples with guitar, though. Like you're right, you're right. The Tim Henson that is a really yeah it's it's not that unique i've seen it made fun of everybody's made fun of like how guitar influencers are all playing like weird like tappy yeah the acoustic we're gonna kind of tap in the natural harmonics everywhere yeah yeah but like also have you tried playing that stuff like you just said it's like it's insanely (laughs) difficult yeah it's really more it's like the hybrid of some really difficult classical guitar techniques and jazz stuff yeah and gent and very technical fusion well, the stuff. M- making fun of it comes from obviously a point of insecurity, and people are like, "I'm not used That's to this." What I'm and yeah, yeah, it's like I'm scared of this. Like this is not a thing. I I'm not going to back this. It's not. No, I'm excited you know. when things make me uncomfortable. Like yeah, I'm yeah, excited yeah. when like that's what I'm saying. Like that excited me because I was like, okay, well, I don't know how I feel about this, but this is definitely new. It's yeah, definitely yeah, definitely, new. definitely. Well, fuck yeah, dude. I mean, we're getting on three hours here, and uh. Goddamn, Zach. Like you, I mean, keep going, dude. You you have this like really cool producer style, uh, amazing engineer. But you have like a so anyone that's like thinking about where should I record? I mean, fucking Zach will push you in the right direction. You might get your, you know, if you have like a this is the way we're gonna do it. Maybe like (laughs) like be more open because Zach will just tell you how it is straight up, and I love that. That's what that's the best thing about Zach is that he will just be like. No, why would you ever do this? This doesn't make any sense. Like straight face, just like I don't get what you're doing. That doesn't like I, doesn't make any sense <laughs> the context. <laughs> and that's that's one thing I love about Zach is that you're you're not your ego's gone. You're just like no, I want to make the best product for you guys. Like this is what I'm here for. Like let's cut the fat and let's do it. You know, and uh, so that that's my that's my sales pitch for you. But oh, thank for you for <laughs> yeah. I mean, and thanks for showing up and hanging out, man. I had mm-hmm. a a really good time with you and. Uh, oh, yeah. Hopefully, uh, see you at some shows again, and maybe give Did you, you have a, a good time with us too, dude. I mean, there's two <laughs> yeah, other say guys no, on the say podcast. no, <laughs> no, but only because he's like, I had a good time with you, but we were all here too, dude. <laughs> I was scared by the live format, if anything, because yeah, I've yeah. done you know maybe eight podcasts before. Mm-hmm. And there's almost always been something I'm like, oh, you got to go edit that out. I, I shouldn't have said that, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's why, that's why I we decided to do it a couple times. That's why, that? decided, uh-huh. that's why we decided oh, just to, do, to it. We, do the live. Yeah, because we had people like hitting us up like, all right, at uh, nine minutes in, there's this one thing I say, can you take that out? Or for Casey, was doing the editing. He's all, yeah. at 17 minutes, I say this thing, can you take that out too? And 42 minutes, there's a spark. Like, I say this guy's name, and I don't think that's cool. 
and it was like it just turned into this big thing and i was like dude we gotta go live so it's just like not it's a out thing. there you know it's, yeah it's it's just, whatever we say is a thing and yeah that's that's why we decided to do it. But I, you, you did fine. <laughs> I'm actually the. I'm totally faded, yeah. dude. I've been high this whole motherfucker, dude. And now the I'm comment like, under you. your face was really helpful. <laughs> that's happened like every fucking episode, dude. They always make fun of me because I look like I'm falling asleep or whatever. I'm it's not drunk. Guys, it's like dude. it's more pot. I don't think he's it's a pot alert. I think it's a pot alert. Yeah. Well, it's even better then. I, you, I enjoy you're so cannabis, drunk, Anthony. Why are you so drunk? I did a I podcast once where cannabis. I thought I think the podcaster was actually intent intentionally asking. He like softened me up, and then he tried to hit me with like a couple hard hitting questions, <laughs> um, and I was like, "Whoa, I didn't see that coming." But I kind of enjoyed that you went in this angle of like trying to ask <laughs> me like really pry questions, and then I was on another one that he's like, "Hey, don't worry, I'm gonna edit this, make you sound really." like together and smart get rid of any weird pauses he did i'm like okay cool but what he didn't mention is he also took out half of his questions and just made it a constant ramble of me out of context so i do sound like i'm talking really confidently i give him credit he clearly put work into like just making sure it was all flows but like at the same time i was like okay he'd asked me a first question but he had all the follow-ups and he deleted the follow-ups but yeah it makes the interview faster but it also made it like Sound like I would just go on hour-long tangents, and I wasn't. <laughs> right. I was like, Whoa, that was weird. Oh my god. No, I don't know. I didn't hate that, but it was like it framed it so strange. So I guess I. So how did you feel online. about th- how did you feel about this one? Give us Fine. a little Absolutely. critique at the end. Oh, a critique. Yeah, no. why not? No, Anthony is self-conscious. This is right, exactly dude. what's supposed to be. I am not. I'm I'm actually, I though, actually Anthony. am not self-conscious. What I'm trying to do is say that <laughs> I know that Zach had a good time tonight, dude. So his critiques of other podcasts. I've been doing, I was going to say, I've been doing the three hour, or I guess they're more like two and a half hour live streams with Machine Head for a year now. And it's a lot, I think, just like, I kind of understand what live is. Better. Yeah. Because like, I've ended up on camera plenty of times there and it's yeah. the same rules got to apply. You just have to have a brain and know not to like, hey, maybe don't just literally say, say names thing. out loud. Yeah. And like... Maybe that's not a like I'm not ever trying to disparage anybody probably in a podcast, but like it, I gotta be careful to not say something that like maybe a band isn't ready to release a record and I say something about it. There's plenty mm-hmm. of things I'm working on right now that I almost brought up. I'm like, okay, I don't actually know that I'm allowed to talk about. It. So yeah, like, yeah, 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 totally, totally. That's that's just respect. Dude. And it's Whereas also I like I didn't know that maybe five years ago. I was like, okay, just keep talking, and then you're like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say something I shouldn't have said? No, us going live oh, yeah. in the very beginning, I was like, yeah. I was kind of scared. I was like, shit, I got this like nervousness. I was just like, okay, you can't, this is, you can't take this back. Anything you yeah. say will be held against you. In the law. you don't know? don't yeah. be nervous. Don't be nervous. Yeah, but now it's like, How obviously many I'm not weeks nervous. have we done live now? We've done 96? Well, no, uh, no, probably, probably about six months live oh, okay yeah, yeah 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 something like that but yeah when did you guys Fuck start yeah. this how long ago october 2020 okay so wow okay this is about on its two-year anniversary mm-hmm. yeah yeah we're oh, coming shit. up on it and it'll be a hundred episodes right around our two-year anniversary which is gonna be sick dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, just just a normal it's a normal it's just a normal episode it's no big deal <laughs> it's no, 
We should just do it ourselves, dude. Yeah. No, we got <laughs> other plans. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah okay, dude. Zach, dude, this was rad, dude. Uh, this is everything I wanted it to be. I, I'm. It made me miss you because I haven't. Will seen you remember you it? Person. Yes, definitely. <laughs> dude. Come on, I'm not. The... You motherfuckers, dude. I enjoy weed. <laughs> I enjoy weed. I'm gonna hit it one more time. Okay. I have no problem. That was, with the, that. that was the best. Sorry, but yeah, I might not, dude. but no one. I'm, I can act. I'm. No one can tell that I'm out of the out of this world right now. Well, it's gonna be on YouTube. You can just rewatch it. <laughs> Take some notes. Yeah, yeah. it's a, yeah. we're so, we're putting it on the internet, so it'll never yeah. go away, dude. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Good yeah, night, guys. Good night, right. Zach, and thank you oh, so yeah, much, buddy. dude. Castle Thanks, Ultimate man. Studios. Hit up Zach at what at your Instagram or what's what's the email you were throwing out in the beginning? I guess Z A C K Zach at castleultimate.com. There you go, dude. Oh, you yeah. guys, That's you guys the simplest way to get a hold of me. Get get bright eyed Mm-hmm. And that's your man. All right. Well uh battleforgecoffee.com. Get your fix over there. Uh we'll Battleforge Coffee's delicious. It is. It really is. And uh, like and subscribe to the channel, guys. Go over. If you don't have a Twitch yet, get over to Twitch. It doesn't cost any money to be on Twitch. I, at least I don't think it costs me. Oh, yeah. CaliDeathPodcast.BigCartel.com. Nothing over Zero there, merch. but I'm still going to plug it anyways. Uh, we'll have merch for you guys soon. All right. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.